In the world of video games, there's a fine line between genius and madness. The following two podcasters seek to cut through the chaos and confusion that the video game industry put... Wait, hold on a minute. Oh, yeah, I misread that. Hold on. Can can I go back? Okay. <clears throat> two podcasters seek to add to the chaos and confusion of the discordant discourse surrounding video games. You're about to experience the Video Game Logic Podcast. Today's show was recorded on May the 8th, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the one who's leading me astray, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played this week. We're going to have a mini impromptu game club about Divinity Original Sin Enhanced Edition. Scara the Blade Remains writes player stories into its lore. Pinball Arcade is losing over 50 Bally and Williams tables on June the 30th. World of Warcraft Attacker is jailed in the United States for a DDoS attack. You will need to pay for Nintendo Switch's online subscription to back up your save files. Archive.org is hosting over a thousand Flash games. We'll have our weekly Community Corner and our weekly Steam Discovery Queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. How are you? Uh, doing all right. Enjoying my new monitor. Indeed, indeed. You have a second monitor now, which you have been extremely happy about. Yeah. Uh, and have been, like, every chance you get, you're like, oh, I'm going to put this on my second screen. Ooh. Well, I've, uh, it's been a while since I've actually had a second monitor, so getting used to it again was uh, quite the thing. And also, I've never had one in this configuration because I have the VESA mount. Uh, for vertical screens. So my old uh, little 24-inch monitor is now above my 27-inch. Interesting. Yeah, eventually I'm going to either wall mount a second monitor or that TV I've mentioned to you before. I don't remember if I said anything about it on the podcast or not before, but that, that TV I've got in here mounted on the wall next to my desk. One of the two. But I'm still just cruising along with one monitor. Although, I well, need let's put it this way: it more. made it made uh, making the show notes a hell of a lot easier without having to flipping back and forth or you know keeping both windows on the same screen. Yeah. No, I need more. I'm up to four PCs now. I tweeted about that earlier. Yeah, I will say that uh, the mount I got it's really nice, but it was a pain in the ass to put together because it was all pictograms and a couple of the parts looked very similar to one another. <laughs> yeah, I hate when you get really sh- uh, shitty instructions or I mean, poorly labeled parts or I mean, it both. Wasn't, it wasn't bad. Uh, the, my main problem with it was, one, it had me put the cap on the uh, bar for the uh, monitors first. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, what the hell is this about? It, it's just an end cap. It's a decorative end cap. It's the very first step. Don't know why it's the first step. But, eh. but also, it didn't list what way the mounts uh, went onto the bar because that was like step three right after uh, mounting the bar so I actually ended up putting up one of the mounts upside down so I had to remove part of it to put uh, to flip around the uh, mount 
Nice. Uh, because it just didn't, you know, it, it was a very, very small picture. It's like, okay, I could see this going on here, but not exactly its orientation. Yeah. I, uh, I went through my own orientation today. Cause I, I mentioned this to you earlier while we were getting ready to record, but yeah, I, I cleaned out my desk and pulled out my main rig, my gaming rig. And cleaned out the inside of it. And somehow the cables behind it had just turned into a tangled, awful mess. So I restrung all of my cables. Turns out I was wasting a lot of USB ports. Because I've got... I had three USB hubs. And I'm like, how am I out of USB ports? But I had just like... I had shit plugged in that didn't need to be plugged in. And it was like one USB hub only had one thing plugged into it. And I'm like, well, what's the point of that? I just plug it straight into the port. But... Yeah, I went from three USB hubs down to two. So that's improvement. And also my PC is clean. For now. Oh, except for the files on it, because, oh, that's some filthy shit. Oh, yeah, it is. You know it. So much mech porn. Yeah, I mean, you uh, you have that GIF uh, that I put on Twitter, and that's the tamest thing? That's cute. That's very cute. The GIF. The, oh, boy, oh, boy, the oh, boy. Mech. Yeah. So you were the one who led us astray with Battletech in the pre-podcast, but I'm the one who was the first to mention it on the official show for this week. How many weeks is it till we get to that game club? <laughs> uh, three, three weeks. Damn. At this rate, I'll be at like 200 hours. I'm in triple digits already. So. Do, do we need to schedule intervention? Do, do we need no. to force you to eject? No. I don't want to. It's not that I don't have, like. It's not that I'm in denial. I just don't want to. Uh, no, you are in uh, denial because the water, uh, you know, uh, accelerates your cooling. <laughs> I see what you did there. Well played, sir. Well played. Speaking of playing things, though, let's go ahead and dive right into games that we played this week. And you didn't have to twist my arm. Like you came out, like, you were like. Did you play anything this week? And I was like, yes, actually. I have pl- well, I didn't say this. I just was like, don't worry. I already played stuff this week. But I have two games this week. Hey, can you blame me uh, with you hitting triple digits already in that um, Battletech? Yeah. I do have some extra time added because what I've been doing, like I did this today. I I played for technically like eight hours, but I was working in my office. So I, I'd like, I'd go do stuff in Battletech for a little bit and then I'd just walk away and go work on something in my office for a little bit and then come back. And I just went back and forth like that all day up until I unplugged my PC and cleaned it. And then I didn't play anymore for the rest of the day. But cleaning my PC was the last thing I did. Partly because I wanted to play Battletech and partly because my workbench was just a a mess with shit all over it. Speaking of shit all over it, how about I talk about the game I'm about? uh, uh, My first game on the list. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. I was. I liked the look of this. Please tell me it's not terrible. Also, you don't want me to talk about it. Got it. No, it's oh, not moving no. very long. Oh no. Okay, tell me about RP Golf or or RP, RG, RP, RP Golf. Yeah, it's either RP Golf or RPG Golf. This is essentially trying to be Golf Story. That is a Switch exclusive, I believe. Yeah, and. Let's put it this way. Okay. I enjoy my golf games, all right? I, 
I'm one of those gamers that like sports games, but I don't go out of my way to play them very often. If that makes any sense, actually. This is a simple golf game for, I would say, about 1986. By today's standards, it's fucking rudimentary. And it is a fucking annoying action RPG. Okay. The only reason why this wasn't a Sunday sampler for me to shit all over it was that it did not like any recording software I threw at it. It was, that's the only saving grace, so I've saved up all my pile for this. Okay, so RPG, uh, golf, first of all, no character creation. You have a set character. And, well, let's, let's put it this way. This should tell you the quality we're dealing with when there was one word that stood out in the tutorial section. All right. One okay. word that said that, that was a massive red flag. Tap. Oh. Yes. This is a mobile port and a rather shitty one at that. Uh, but yeah, you have no character creation. You, you have a set character that, yeah, the entire point in this game is that you're wanting to be a golf champion, but this is a fantasy world where monsters roam all golf courses for reasons. Yeah. Okay. And this is going to make me sound very mean to golf games everywhere, but this game has successfully made golf a more tedious sport to play. <laughs> because in order to get uh, through the holes, because in order to progress through the game, you have to score par or better on each of the nine holes in order to face the final boss. Because this is technically an ARPG with golf instead of golf with an ARPG. Alright? Okay. You're only allowed to play the hole once. Well, uh, if you get par or below. Or you have to continuously retry over and over and over again. And just grind out experience to be able to level up your golfer if you're failing. And it is just so fucking tedious because it's a very, very bog standard. Well, not even bog standard. It's a substandard ARPG where you have monsters charge at you. Uh, you swing your club at them like a fat kid uh, recording himself. Remember that, Liam? Uh, Star Wars kid? Yeah. God, that's old. <laughs> hey, but uh, appropriate here. Uh, okay. all, the, all the monsters are pretty much the same, just recolors of one another. And they pretty much just charge at you, try to uh, tackle you, then warp back a few steps to do it again. But it's also the uh, type of combat where if you could time it right, you could take absolutely no damage. So that makes the levels, uh, for the most part, uh, completely arbitrary. Okay. Yeah, uh, you play the first hole, then in order to progress to the second hole, you have to go through a dungeon, because of course you do, right? And absolutely. Then you have to fight a giant spider. Oh. With the possibly the worst hitbox I've ever seen in a game. 
because this is the charge it at you and you duck out of the way and it hits the wall and stuns it uh, type of boss. You know, the, the uh, bull rush boss, uh, bull rush uh, uh, genre, essentially, you know? You know yeah. And the hitbox is so off kilter with the model that there were several times I got hit when I've completely almost a full half body away from the boss and it still hit me. Alright. That's so good. Yeah, so kill that boss. Then uh you get a an ability to melt ice to be able to progress to the second hole. The second hole has a island that you shoot uh shoot the ball onto, then you have to go through another dungeon, so you can kind of see the pattern here. It's there's absolutely no story in this whatsoever, which is actually the appeal of uh, golf story to me. You know, it, it remind uh, golf story reminded me a lot of the old Mario golf games. Yeah, you know, when there was a little bit of a, a story with them as well. This yeah, nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of it's a facade of golf story. It's a facade of Mario golf wanting to be more. But it's just low effort and really, really, really shit. Man, Mario Golf. Out of all of that, that's what I got was Mario Golf. I played, I've played Mario Golf in forever. I'm yeah. sure there's been more than one Mario Golf game, many more. Mm-hmm. But the one I liked the most was the one that was on Game Boy Color. Yeah. Man, I played that a lot. Well, let's put it this way. This is how substandard the golf game is in this. Uh, the short game, you know, on the green. Yeah. No slope on the green whatsoever. Uh, and it doesn't even uh, go to a putting mode. So you have to try to guess the power meter based on the aim like you're chipping the ball in. Awesome. Yeah. And when I e- say awesome, I mean awful. And even the wind doesn't really affect the ball that much. I mean, it's showing like a... Uh, well, uh, on the screenshots, I'm looking at it uh, on Steam and, you know, 4.6 meter, uh, which is, uh, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what the wind was in my game. <laughs> so, you know, no variance on the wind at all. But it didn't affect the ball at all. It landed exactly where I expected it to. Which, you know, that takes away a lot of the strategy in golf because, you know, it's more setting up your uh, shots for, uh, you know, and trying to take uh, the vari- uh, the variables into play, but this, yeah, it's down to that. It, this is not a golf game. To be fair, when I played golf in real life, I never really accounted for the wind either. Yeah, but you well, also... that's mostly because I wasn't very good. Yeah, I was about I was to say... average at best. Yeah, I was about to say, you have to have, uh, you know, some air time for, to have to account for the wind. I tended to just slice everything real bad, so I would play for that. And dress horribly. Nah, Yeah. I mean, if you dress uh, sensibly, you stand out of the golf club, right? I mean, to be fair, I always dress horribly, even now, so it's not all that different for me. And trust me, I really, really want to like this game, but yeah. I would say this is a hard pass unless it's given to you. Even And even then, it's... Uh, let's put it this way. I didn't even stomach for an hour. And there were several places in the game where I saw that they were just going to waste my time. For example, 
very quickly I ran into this giant maze that I didn't have the abilities to get past yet. But it was... Well, the game does several large screens. Uh, or you know, one large map, and you're able to just scroll around it pretty freely. And it was yeah. that entire section. I would say it was probably about six uh, full screens wide and three tall. I mean, just a fucking massive maze. It, there was no way that it was going to be easily solved because, you know, even looking at the map where it did show you the entire maze, uh, you would just be completely lost in it. Because, you know, all the assets in the game are pretty you know, similar. Oh, I'm just very depressed by this game. Shall we move on? Yeah. Unless we you... should find another golf game to play other than what was the free one that we played, but it became apparent very quickly that the power player outclassed the... Uh, winning putt? Yeah, winning putt. But we should find another golf game. Yeah, that, that was a very annoying whenever uh, you'd uh, get in the zone and you know, you'd be two or three strokes ahead of everyone per hole. Just because, you know, you were a power player and you were able to uh, hit a good, what, 20, 30 yards further than us? Yeah, consistently. And, yeah. When you got there, you usually were closer than me, but I was already like a shot or two ahead of you. So, yeah, basically, I had to fuck it up at the end. Otherwise, I won every time. And that's not fun for anybody. Because I don't want to just, like, run away with it every time. Like, if I get a, a streak on, like, one hole or something, like, that's awesome. But consistently, I was winning by several strokes a hole. Yeah, what I really wanted was to do the, uh, the mix, the, you know, the in-between the two extremes, but they never had it uh, enabled. Yeah. It's been, like, a year and a half since we played that. Maybe we could check it out again. Yeah. Somehow I doubt that they've uh, nerfed the power players because I imagine that's what most people are running. Uh, winning putts on Steam. And you keep going. I'm going to look at the golf games. So, one more game on my list before we get to the mini game club is Judgment Apocalypse Survival Simulation. Because, you know, everything needs a, a simulation in the title these days, right? This is Absolutely. a town builder... With, uh, essentially, think RimWorld, only uh, Judgment Day, uh, slash, uh, well, uh, essentially, yeah, demons have uh, come up from hell, maybe. I mean, they there is a story to this game, but I never got far enough, uh, far enough into it. And this, uh, this one goes on the list of games I wanted to like a lot more, because this isn't that deep of a game. Okay. It's very, 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 very linear on its builds. Let's put it this way. The tech tree that they show in the Steam store? Bullshit. It is nothing like that. Instead, they all lead one directly into another. On the, the various tabs of the tech tree. And they're also interdependent of one another. So, on my Sunday Sampler video, I was, uh, uh, on my setup for it, I was trying to get to uh, farming and uh, animal raising for wool, and uh, they didn't mention fertilizer, but that was never 
usable. I'm not sure if that was something that was going to be added later or if that was something that was going to be added but then removed because this uh, came out of early access uh, this week. And in order to build the animal pen, I had to have bricks. Well, either I get lucky on salvage, uh, send out a team for uh, to another area to find bricks, or unlock another section of the cra- of the tech tree. And the tech trees are fucking expensive. During uh, the day, you uh, essentially just accrue tech points on one of two research paths because there's two separate research currencies that you research or you generate plus salvage that you have to get as well because you know that's not going to be irritating at all and throughout the day you'll get probably 10 to 15 at best because you know people just sit there and uh, research and they go eat then they go research for more and some of the high-end research is 4,000, 2,000. And even the low-end stuff is, you know, a couple hundred. So it is slow. And they also have it where your initial build, you get enough, or, or you don't even get enough. They give you a free bed. They give you a free building. They give you a free well because you have to get water. But then you need resources that you can't get until you research pretty far down the tech tree to be able to expand upon that. So you very quickly start to you know, lose a colonist because they essentially hot bunk, you know. One person goes to sleep as another one gets up. So yeah. you, your colony's never running at full capacity, which is irritating. I would have loved to have a second bed so you know, people, two people could rest at a time. Because the resting also, you know, obviously takes a while because, you know, that's the whole sleep thing that I've heard people do occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, something else that really annoyed me about this. Well, for one, okay, I, I think it's pretty fair to say that some sort of relationship or some sort of mood is pretty standard in smaller scale colony builders like this. I mean, I'm talking about the uh, five to usually 15 uh, colonists or you know, people uh, level of uh, simulation, right? That's pretty uh, standard, right? Yeah. Not in this game. At all. Okay. Someone dies, nobody cares. At all. Which is just a head-scratcher to me. I mean, there's the sort of, uh, there's the trait system that you uh, expect that affects uh, stats. There's uh, actually a class-based progression system, which I'll get into in just a moment. There's absolutely no interdependent relationships. There's no moods. There's no, you know, people giving a damn about one another. They're just there. Which, considering the initial opening is three friends out camping, but they don't give a fuck if one of them dies? That's just weird. You know? Maybe in this universe, nobody gives a shit about anybody else. Because all it is is filled with loss. And demons. And demons. Lost demons. Ah, but... They need Jesus. Well, obviously, if there's demons around. (laughs) Jesus Christ, demon slayer. 
I would play that game. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna Google that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna get. Here we go. Jesus Christ Demon Slayer. Jesus Christ Superstar was the first autocomplete. That makes me happy. Jesus Christ Demon Slayer number one. Comics by Comicsology. Uh oh. What is this? <laughs> this is a deviation and a sidetrack. Recounting harrowing of hell legend Jesus Christ Demon Slayer. This portrays Jesus descending into the pits of hell to challenge the devil and his minions for the right to control death and damnation. And the cover is someone that looks kind of like, um, like 70s Arnold Schwarzenegger with a beard and long hair <laughs> with a giant sword. What's the... God damn it, I've seen these movies before where he's like the barbarian guy. Conan? Yeah, Conan. This looks kind of like if Conan looked more like Jesus. <laughs> One ninety nine. Add to cart. Uh-oh. That's their own... This comicsology is owned by Amazon. Can I use my Amazon gift card balance for this? That would be amazing. Oh, I can't. Damn it. But I can pay on PayPal. That's fine. All right. Next week, we're going to talk about issue one of Jesus Christ <laughs> Demon Slayer. <laughs> Proceed to checkout. Uh, Amazon sign in. Oh, I can sign in with my Amazon account. Maybe this will let me use my gift card balance. Uh, so should I've I got... continue or are you going to continue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You carry on. <laughs> <laughs> oh we get into some weird places don't we yes we do weird wonderful places ah oh, but everything is just so sluggish in this game and not in the good you know uh tactical feeling way uh, for example to be able to wall off uh, to build a palisade around my uh, uh little colony which don't know why three friends decide, you know, we need to build a fort. Because you would think this would be more tactical combat, you know, trying to survive, but no. Uh, each one requires a certain amount of wood, certain amount of bricks, which the bricks have to be crafted. And I like the idea of all the interdependent uh, crafting and uh, 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 crafting trees. But everything is just takes so long to do. And you can't queue up anything if you don't have the resources. So it makes it feel even longer. But to give the RimWorld example, let's say I wanted to build a, you know, build a wall and make the demons pay for it. Right. I could uh, build out the, uh, the blueprint of the wall. And as resources are uh, completed and co uh, collected... They fill out the blueprint and then they're built. In this, I have to wait for all the resources to be built. Then I could go in and put in the blueprint. And that slight change really, really impacts the flow of gameplay. Because you're sitting there waiting for things a lot more than you really need to. And on top of everything, space is very, very limited as well. You may notice that all the buildings in the screenshots that showed the forts or colonies or whatever you want to call them look pretty similar that's because you only have the pre-made buildings that you can make there's no custom buildings whatsoever and the buildings are two by two and three by two 
uh, of the starter ones. You do get unlock bigger ones later, but when I say later, I mean fucking far later. And a lot of the workshops cannot be built outside, so you're constantly building more of these microscopic buildings. To be fair, you don't have to worry about walkways because people just walk right through the workstations because, you know, that makes it a lot better, but it's irritating. It's It feels so fucking limiting. Right. And one thing I really like about town builders, one thing I really like about the survival town builders, I should say, is be able to try different things, to try different approaches. Going into RimWorld and trying, you know, okay, let's uh, build a, a wall pretty much immediately and start uh, building little uh, 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 murder holes to be able to shoot people as they come in. Does that work? No. Let's try uh, in a different way. Let's uh, try building up my food uh, stockpile a little bit better and trying different crops. And this, you have pretty much the way the developers want you to play. And, uh, oh, you have the w- way the developers want you to play. Nice. And did I mention the way the developers want you to play? No, I don't think so. Okay. Just make it sure. I mean, if you really, 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 really like the theme of this, especially getting into the occult, which takes ages, that's pretty much, I think that may be my big problem with this entire game, is that everything feels too slow for what it does. The rituals in the game, you eventually unlock this magic circle, which you could uh, go to to uh, do rituals and uh, for buffs and uh, different effects to happen. Which, it's kind of hilarious, just because how long they take. You're sitting there doing a rain dance. Then the guy uh, decides, you know, I'm kind of hungry. Goes to eats lunch, comes back, and continues the rain dance. <laughs> well, you know, the rain gods would understand. When it, you need, need some lunch. Yeah, I would say it takes a full day and then some to be able to do some of these rituals. And that's just the starting rituals. And they're pretty minor they there's one that is a rain dance which makes it so that the fields don't have to be tended as often essentially watering the fields i guess uh, I, as a matter of fact i'm pretty sure because it eats up the water and you pretty much have to dedicate someone to uh, constantly fill, uh, fetch water i mean you could uh, get that uh, uh, you know take some burn off that by building a second well but you need bricks for the second well and you don't want bricks for quite a while so yeah uh, this game really needed a rebound or looking at some of the alternative ways that you can play it. Or maybe it's just I'm spoiled by RimWorld that gives me a lot of choices. And that's even before I start getting crazy with the mods. And, uh, well, I haven't mentioned the combat at all, have I? Uh, the combat... Mm, no. Um, well, remember how I was talking about, uh, RPG off? Yep. And all the enemies just rushing at you? Pretty much the same here. There is a cover system that you could use, which is similar to how RimWorld does it. You know, objects in the world naturally have some sort of uh, defensive property, uh, a certain amount of blockage, uh, and, uh, sandbags that you build are pretty much, uh, baseline that you could do for like half uh, blocking or you know, uh, 
pretty much the uh, the standard that you base everything off of. All right. Well, all right. In this, all the enemies completely ignore that system and just charge at you. Melee werewolves and imps and that sort of thing just blindly rush at you to try to get in melee range while the ranged characters get close enough to shoot at you and then stop, no matter where they are. I never saw a character intentionally go into cover. They will unintentionally go into cover, but that's just them running through the woods to get to you. The AI is brain dead. It's incredibly basic. And once again, it's the system is not very fleshed out because it's using an HP uh, system instead of pretty much what's become the standard is the rim world dwarf fortress like system of sub parts and you know taking damage to you know uh, the torso the arms to, uh, for various effects at least i'm pretty sure that's become the standard uh, on all the combat oriented uh, of these uh, combat oriented games of this genre i played and coming from rim world it feels very boring because I'm just looking at the weapons like well, okay well this bow uh, allows me to shoot a little bit further and has slightly better accuracy so I guess I'll use that instead of the other one and once again getting new weapons is very slow because you have to unlock them and that is uh, tied into the uh, research system that like I said just takes ages <laughs> oh I really, really went into this game wanting to like it. But there's just so much there that I may have been spoiled on. Or I just find too frustrating to really be able to enjoy. Right. I do have to say that the gameplay, or I shouldn't say the gameplay, but the graphics are kind of ugly, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, they're not the best looking. Uh, To be polite. But, you know, if the game was good, graphics matter much less than if it's no bueno. Yeah, well, let's put it this way. Pretty much the only way I've uh, encountered getting new uh, colonists, for lack of a better term, survivors, whatever, is occasionally a rescue mission will pop up and you send a a group out, which is limited to five, by the way, to go unlock them from a cage and then you rescue them. And the person that you rescue instantly teleports back to uh, your place. Uh, there, uh, there's Jesus Christ. <laughs> it took me a minute to actually buy it because I had to like sign up for the account, and then it's like, well, you we can't actually use PayPal because you're using a merged account. And it's like, well, fuck you. You made me sign in with my Amazon account. So then I had to be like, which card is the one that's mine? Like my actual <laughs> card. That way, it comes out of like my personal money bank account. Uh, but uh, got a little sidetrack there. Uh. Uh, everything just feels off. And considering this just got uh, early access, well, oh, oh, that's what I was uh, on, it uh, was the rescue missions. So, uh, the person that uh, got rescued instantly teleports to the base, but the uh, rescue team stays where they were and they have to walk back, which takes a good part of the day. And it does that often. So, if you send a, a, a team out to go do missions, or, you know, to go do an operation because uh, there's this uh, story campaign to try to figure out what the fuck. If you send out the group, they just teleport off the map. And then they, when they come back, they come back and start doing the sa- exact same thing that they were doing. Like they never left. 
and it's just immersion breaking. It's a very small thing, but having someone walk to the edge of the map to leave it is not as jarring. And I think that's my big problem with everything in this game is that it's very jarring. It's very ugly. It's very substandard. So, no, sir, I don't like it. I see. And uh, the UI is just fucking cluttered. Because uh, you can see the build menu there. Where they go for the uh, aesthetic of, you know, everything is like pads and books and things. but And with icons on them. But it's just irritating. Because you're going through things that really shouldn't be together. But why can't they do some sort of tab or something? Or, you know, flip through pages. Because you have the, uh, the pad right there. But no. Oh, I didn't talk about the level-up system. The level-up system. Oh, the level-up system is something else that highly pisses me off. Okay, the level-up system in this game. In pretty much any other stat-based game of this genre, as you do something, you get better at it. I mean, that's pretty much standard for most RPGs, right? Yes. Okay, in this game, as you do things you gain experience. And uh, essentially, uh, barring RimWorld terminology, if you have a passion for something, if you like doing something, you get experience faster while doing it. Once you level up, you are able to slot in a stat point. And those stat points are dependent on the class your character is. And the combination between the class and your traits, it can make for some odd things, like a fighter that has a lot of buffs in their crafting because of just their background, but you're never able to improve them because the fighter has a lot of fighting-oriented talents, and that is the only thing that you could level up, is your fighting. Or unlock various weapons that you're able to eventually use. You know, if you unlock the crafting form or find them or whatever. It's just a weird, weird, weird system to have no bonuses that you can gain naturally through your stat points. Uh, I, I presume there may be something down the line or it may be some sort of item that you eventually get because even items themselves are highly simplified where you have a weapon, you have a armor, essentially a jumpsuit with various jumpsuits for different types of armor and an equipment slot and that's it. So maybe something on the equipment slot will eventually allow you to have some sort of stat bonus. I did notice that there was a ritual that you could eventually do that will essentially uh, do a reroll on that character. So maybe that is the uh, you know that's the way that they're planning on doing it, but that's still fucking irritating because that is way 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 down the occult tree. This just does some weird stuff. And this may just be a case of, I have too much experience in this genre. And Jesus Christ stays and takes half damage. <laughs> did, did But did you notice that Jesus Christ has two naked ladies with him and their breasts are exposed for his pleasure? Yeah, this is going to be good next week. I'm going to stop looking at this now so I don't spoil the entire comic. Well, but they're not fully like, exposed. They, uh, that's pasties, right? Well, 
Nope. Those those are the nips. Those are the nips. There's a on the previous page you get like full frontal of them, but like they're like trying to get Jesus naked so they can have sex with him. He's like, no, I'm Jesus. I will not give in to your temptation. Good thing you're not Jesus. You would have given him the temptation instantly. <laughs> oh yeah, immediately. I would have. I would have uh, taken pleasure from the breasts exposed for my pleasure. Ple- yeah. Okay, I'm closing that now. I'll I- read Jesus Christ Demon Slayer later. There's three issues, so. Oh, and also one other thing is that movement speed is incredibly slow in this game, which may be another problem that uh, you know, just makes everything so much worse because of the crafting. And uh, actually, that uh, it does kind of play into the inventory system as well. Uh, I keep uh, remembering things that piss me off about this game. <laughs> Everybody just kind of moseys. You know, there's no jogging or anything. Right. And the demons are unspeakably fast in comparison. So there's really no sense of urgency to any of the colonists. They're just kind of, oh no, I'm being chased by a werewolf. Quick. Get to the defensive line. Tomorrow. Eventually. And uh, this game has an odd inventory system for uh, this genre where Everything kind of just teleports into a shared warehouse. And and then everything teleports out. So if someone harvests vegetables, for example, uh, at at the farm, uh, they'll instantly teleport to the uh, storage. And then if they go to make a salad, which is the tier zero food, uh, they uh, instantly get teleported to the kitchen to... uh, to go on the buffet, and yes, they actually have a buffet table. But the thing is that if you start making tier one food, uh, and you don't disable tier zero, they eat both to no benefit. And there's no rotting, so, you know, you could just endlessly make salads. Well, at least you'll be healthy in the uh, apocalypse. Yeah, well, unless you, you know, need some protein in your diet. Oh my god, what have I done? I'm not getting recommendations on Amazon. Evil Jesus, Volume 1. And things have gotten weird. We'll just save that for later. Uh, but, yeah. I, I'm just... I, I'm really, really wanting to like this. Even more so than uh, RPG Alf. RPG Alf. Alf? Or RPG Alf. go Alfin? Well, I think you need to be Alfed. Speaking of which, I guess it's your turn now. In Since we're indeed. saving my last game for the mini club. Indeed. So, the first game that I played this week is Halo Online. And I've got in parentheses El Dorito. Uh, because this is a modded, ripped out version of Halo Online. So, Halo Online, a number of years ago, was developed and released as a free-to-play game. In Russia, um, wasn't it? In Russia, I think they had plans to take it wider, but for some reason it sort of died in development. Uh, There was a a beta that was available for people to play. And this project has been being worked on for apparently a long time. I discovered it a few weeks ago when they added like a giant 
or like the newest version number, which added um, a server browser so that you didn't, you could now just, you know, obviously create servers or have people create servers and then you could join those instead of just having to do meetups for custom games and stuff because there's no matchmaking service for this available. Um, and it's Halo's multiplayer. Like, it's mostly Halo 3's multiplayer. But it's got elements from some of the other later Halo games thrown in there as well. But it's it's sweet, sweet Halo multiplayer on PC. Running at uh, 120 FPS with like 110 FOV. How much uh, mouse acceleration, mouse aim, or aim assist? None. No okay. aim assist. Mouse acceleration is turned off by default. I mean, you can turn Thank it on you. and mess with it. But it, it's off by default. Um, having the FOV punched out to 110 is too far. Uh, they very clearly only ported the Halo 3 console assets over. So once you go past 90 FPS, like you see the end of your arms. Um, like that whole blank space problem. Oh, oh like, you mean the other end. I was about to say, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, in first person shooters, pretty much everywhere, you always see the end of your arms. They're called your hands. Yeah, you can see like inside, you know, where there's like the stuff isn't rendered for you for you to see. Mm-hmm. Like you can see past that once you go past ninety or a hundred FPS, but it's fine. Uh, that or that, not that FPS. kind of makes me wonder Field something. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm gonna ask a dumb question. Okay, why in first person shooters is everybody constantly keeping their guns in their face? Yeah, that's a really weird thing. Like, guns, different games do it differently, but, like, as far as I know, no game in a that's a first-person shooter has the gun in the proper position. It's always, well, like, in the middle of your head, well, Team Fortress or, like, in the middle of your actually chest. actually had a mode for that, where it uh, it was built around the VR, where, or uh, it was a VR mode that was able to turn on, that it used, instead of the first-person model, it used the world model. So, looking around... You could actually uh, see the gun in the proper position for the model. And for some characters, that worked really well. For others, it was actually a huge hindrance. Particularly, Soldier was very bad. And actually, also getting shot with the bow and arrow, the Huntsman. Uh, you would look down and you would see arrows. <laughs> in your legs. Which, nice. Uh, which I'm not sure which is more disconcerting, actually. Um, But anyways, I mean, this is... Halo 3's online multiplayer, basically, like I said, they added in some of the uh, weapons and items from later Halo games, but you don't have the armor powers, uh, which were introduced in Halo Reach. Um, and then there's some of the later weapons. Wait, why does it the other games so. have them if Halo Reach was before everything? What, do they run out of batteries? They, yeah, they were all lost. Someone, Jeff was supposed to load the crate onto the ship before it flew away, and he got shot in the back, and so that crate was left. Oh, oh, but then, oh did, did he at least give the Wilhelm scream? But yeah, he did. Okay, but then good. Bob discovered it after Halo Three. Like, oh hey, Jeff dropped this when he got shot. We've got him back now. That's yeah, that's canon. That's how that worked. But anyways, it's also got some extra stuff too that I assumed they introduced to be like paid content. But, I mean, it's all in there. Like, there's gold-plated weapons. 
and some things that I've never seen in any Halo game before ever, like some custom armor um, and emblem designs and stuff. And I mean, because this is a player... Is there a what? A a spiky cod piece so you could really teabag someone? No, there's not, but there should be. Um, But, you know, because this is a player-created mod that's free, all that stuff is just available for your customizing pleasure. Um, and then the weapons have just been added as like random drops on the ground. They're, they're more powerful versions. Like if you see a gold weapon, it is more powerful than the regular version. So it's a uh, golden eye, the man with the golden yeah. gun. Yeah. Yeah. The golden, like the golden assault rifle is at least 15% more powerful than the regular assault rifle. Like I did some testing. Um, cause you can do, you can do split screen, uh, which is nice for custom games. It's also got the forge mode, which is their like level creator. Um, so there's already like tons of custom content available for you to get from players. It's got a really healthy player base. Um, the mod creators at the most recent player numbers they posted after the, the latest version release was something like seven or 8,000 daily unique players. Damn. So, I mean, there's a huge demand for Halo on PC. The only game that's ever been on PC before, uh, well, the only two. There was the special Windows Vista version of Halo 2, and then the original Halo Combat Evolved is on PC. And those are the only two games that, Halo games that have ever been on PC, at least in the first person, the actual first person Halo games. And it's weird at first playing it on a PC, because I've played Halo my entire life on console. But, I mean, it's immediately better, obviously. PC Master Race. Um, But it's also painfully apparent some of the things that they've done to make the game playable on the console. The game is so slow. Like, I never felt like Halo was slow before until I played it on on PC, and then it's like, oh. Now now you can see why I hated uh, the original Halo when I played it recently. (laughs) Right. Yeah, the the game is so fucking slow. And but everything other is so than, bullet spongy. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, well, I'm used to that from playing Halo, though. I mean, that's the same. The lack of aim assist, though, is really nice. You can get headshots much easier with a mouse. But Wait, wait you mean a mouse is more accurate? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've never argued that point, but... Oh, um, trust me, I've seen that uh, argument, but it's usually people that don't realize just how fucking strong aim assist is on consoles. Yeah, the the game also looks much better than any console iteration. Like, this version looks better than Halo 5 on the Xbox One. Um, it also doesn't have that stupid bullshit that they've done in the most recent one to try and squeeze out some extra frame rate by black barring it, essentially, because in Halo 5... And I think they did it in Halo 4, too. Like, they put the visor in part of... In, in your field of view. Like, the helmet visor. But basically what that does is that gives them black bars where they don't have to render stuff. It just yeah, stays black. Much, yeah. So, but that's not in Halo 3 because they weren't doing did, that shit Did they at least then. put the HUD there? Of course not, right? Ooh, I don't remember in Halo 4. But no, they did not do that in Halo 5. So. Yeah, I mean, if... They've recently, like, last week they got into some trouble, so I decided to play it before Microsoft, like, attempts to take it down. But it's gotten popular enough that now they're, Microsoft has come after them, and they've said that they've paused development uh, while they are in 
dialogue with Microsoft. Okay, I'm not only one that hears the very old school Mario sound for policy whenever I hear policy development these days. You know that do 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 do. Yeah, I guess because I didn't hear it in my head. Um, I don't know. I mean, anything's possible, but I don't see how they could take this down because it's in the wild. Um, and it's beloved by thousands of people, and that number seems to be growing at a pretty rapid pace. Oh, don't worry. Uh, Microsoft will see this, and they'll try to take it down, because uh, this uh, my, uh, the re- only reason why we don't get Halo on PC is, and you know, I say we as if I play Halo or give a damn about it, uh, is it's a system seller. It's pretty much the only thing that drives Xbox sales these days, isn't it? That, that uh, and sports set of sports games. Yeah, Xbox has a a very glaring hole in their console lineup. They're trying to improve it, but Sea of Thieves was a mess, and it's not looking good for. Didn't it lose over half its uh, player base once uh, the first month ended and the Game Pass uh, players left? It lost more than that. It was like two thirds or three quarters of its player base. What, what, it still has. It sold it has like more, 2.5 million copies. Yeah, it sold way more than it deserved. Yeah. But anyways, if you want to play Halo, like you as in listener, or you, Rage, um, I have all of the files, and I can put them on Dropbox or Google Drive or something. That way you can get them. Uh, I don't know if they're available still on the official site after Microsoft basically sent a cease and desist to them. And a lot of the places where you could find them have been taking the files down so that they also don't get targeted. But, you know, it's out there in the wild, like I said. So if anyone wants the files, I can give them to you. It's all just a nice, simple uh, unzip the file and install it. And it's all contained within the uh, the El Dorito file. Uh, what flavor? So. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I thought it was El Dorado for a while, and then I went and I looked, and I was like, nope, that's El Dorito, like Mountain Dew and Doritos, I assume. Yeah. Yo, Gamer Just Fuel. Like play on that. I but did, anyways, I did try the new uh, Dorito flavor. What's the new Dorito flavor? Uh, Blaze. Yo, Blazing Man. I assume that that's supposed to be like a new spicy flavor? Oh, it's actually very spicy. Oh, okay. I've never been a fan of the spicy Doritos, not because I don't like spicy things, but... I don't know. They just have like a weird taste. At least yeah, the, the well, flavors I've tried before. Well, this one, uh, it just tastes of burning. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't want something that just tastes of burning. Well, it was free, so why the hell not? Yeah. yeah, fair play. All right. The next game that I played is called Florence. This is a mobile title. It's three bucks, but it is the first mobile game I've ever played. Well, not the first, but one of the only mobile games I've ever played that takes advantage of the fact that you're playing on a mobile device to work that into the gameplay mechanics in a meaningful way. It also is one of the few games that I've played that uses the fact that you're playing a video game to help tell the story. So it was like a double plus for mobile devices. Um, it, it had some similar impact to like Brothers. Um, not quite as strong as Brothers. Brothers was like at, you know, on a scale of one to ten. Yeah, bashes you over the head at some uh, at some points with the the field train. 
Yeah, this is more of like a 7 or an 8 on that scale. But still, I mean, that's better than a lot of games do. Um, I'm going to be really vague for a couple minutes. It's short, and in order for me to really talk about it, I'm going to have to spoil the hell out of it. But if you want a, a, a good mobile game um, that offers an interesting and fairly unique experience in how you interact with it and the way that it can make you feel... Florence is an excellent game. It's got a really cute, um, unique art style that I've never seen before on any game. Yeah, it's a very um, comic-y, uh, webcomic-like style. Yeah, so it's got a very unique art style. The soundtrack is brilliant and powerful, both in its simplicity, but yet its ability to convey tone to you they really use the soundtrack in a, a meaningful way and then just the the way that you interact with the game um really does a lot to to make you feel as well and to drive home the impact of the story so if if you want a good game and you tend to agree with the things that i recommend go for this it's a little expensive for a mobile title at three bucks you'll get uh, depending on how many times you want to replay through it to see the different choices, somewhere between an hour and 90 minutes out of it. So that can be a bit steep for the price tag for some people, but I felt like it was worth it. So for the next you know, few minutes... So quality until, over quantity. Yeah, it's definitely quality over quantity. So if you don't want to see, or if you don't want to hear spoilers, skip to the the timestamp for when we go talk about Divinity. The next few minutes... Unless you don't want this. spoilers for that, then just skip to the news. Yeah. Um... Okay, so everyone who's still here All right, wants bye. to do the spoilers. I'm joking. So Florence is a game where you play Florence, a young lady um, in her early to mid-20s. Uh, actually, who... mid-20s. It says 25. Oh, does it say 25? At okay, 25, so I, Florence. Uh, Florence Yayo? Yeah. Yeah. It, there's no dial- like there's no spoken dialogue. It's all text and, and music. Um, but... You play Florence, and she's, you know, working a job, doing the thing that you got to do to pay the bills. Um, oh, my. Living through life. And you go through, like, three or four chapters in the game of just doing that. Um, and it at first, there's very little that you have to do at all, besides just sort of, like, tap to advance the story. Um, then you have a phone conversation with your mom, which you can choose to actually answer or ignore and if you ignore like your mom sends you a passive aggressive text message (laughs) um there's a couple of little mini games and then it hits you with the first the the first little hint that this game is going to be more so it's like you go home after a day of work and you're cleaning out your closet and you find like some old scrap booking stuff from when you were a kid uh and you open the box and it like jumps back in time to when you're a little girl and you're like coloring stuff and you're making like a boat and a, a butterfly with some stickers and like whatever you create actually shows up. Like I made some different stuff and it, that shows up like in the next scene. So I thought that was pretty neat. But then you just sort of go through this thing that's growing up and like you're looking at photos and a clock appears and it's sort of uh, opaque so you can see through it and you turn the hand or turn the... Uh, the hands on the clock to advance time and you see yourself as like a little girl and you grow up and your friends are like you slowly drift apart from your friends as you get older and then it's like you're in high school 
and everyone's like staring at their phones and then you go to college and you're alone. And in this point, you can actually turn the clock back and like everyone comes back together, but you can't advance it until you move the clock all the way forward. And they call back to that later in a really interesting way. Um, then you meet the boy or, or the, the man who's in the screenshots. Um, and most of the rest of the game revolves around your relationship with this man. Uh, like you see him in a park and he's playing music and you're like awestruck by him. And then you run into him later and you start this dating relationship. And there's this puzzle mini game where you have to assemble a puzzle and like, he'll say something, he'll get like a speech bubble and then you'll put together the puzzle and you'll get a speech bubble. And the more you talk to him as you go on dates, the easier the speech bubbles become Mm -hmm. until it's just like you tap on it to fill up the thing. So it's like using that. Yeah. Well, it's using that, that mechanic to represent, like as you grow in a relationship with someone, it gets easier and easier to talk to them Mm -hmm. and you get to know them better which I I liked a lot. Then they use that mechanic a couple of times in the game where you get into fights with him. And so then it goes from being like a really cute color to like angry red. And the longer the fight goes on, the puzzle goes from being like rounded edges to like hard edges. And then they get all jaggedy Mm -hmm. to show that like you're really mad and you're hurting each other in this fight. And then it turns into like a race between you and him or the AI to assemble the puzzle faster. And whoever, like, assembles it the fastest by the end, like, wins the argument. Um, and there's a couple of different little outcomes, depending on whether you win the out argument or he does. Um, but then there's a, a time where you can, uh, like, apologize to each other and repair and come back together. Um, it does something really powerful with having you... So it's like time advances and you grow in your relationship and you move in together. And, you you know, you move into your apartment or he moves into your apartment and you go through and you're like, what of my stuff do I want to get get rid of? And what of his stuff do I want to put put in? And it, it like it lets you pick. But then later when the relationship falls apart and he moves out, it's like uh, uh, all of that stuff that you got rid of before is gone. And now his stuff is gone, too. And there are these holes in your life to represent, you know, what it's like to lose someone that you've been with for a long time. It does some really interesting things, too, with that puzzle mechanic again. Like, as the relationship continues to fall, like, falls apart in the end. Um, so this is where it, like, really uses, I think, the a touchscreen, like a touchscreen device and, and that ability. So it's, like, there's the, this chapter called Drifting Apart. And it's another one of those puzzles that you have to put together. But this one is a picture of the two of you. And as you're dragging the puzzle together on, on the screen, the pieces, like, are very slowly drifting apart from each other. And so you have to, like, drag as fast as you can to try and put it all back together. And that's an interesting, like, metaphor for, like, if a relationship is falling apart and you're really trying to save it, like, how frantic it can be and how stressful it can be. And then at the end, they, like, subvert that puzzle mechanic. Like, you put the puzzle together and it's uh, a picture of the two of you. But each of them can be assembled as a whole, but their pieces don't fit together anymore. So you can't actually put them back together. I, I cried a little. I cried a couple of times during this short game. And all the while during all of this is going on, like the soundtrack, for example, like when the couple first gets together is like uh, faster and upbeat, like this nice, um, happy, sort of almost peppy piano music because it's representing like your relationship is new and everything is wonderful and happy. But then it it cuts like a somber, like single cello 
at the end as the relationship is falling apart. Um, and it's and always partic- a sad ending. That part is always a sad ending, but it goes on past that. Probably two thirds of the game is the arc of this relationship. There's a little bit at the beginning that introduces you to some of those mechanics and sort of sets up Florence. Um, and then after what was his name? Kitch or Kirch? He's, he's a, uh, Indian. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent sure if I'm remembering that properly, like his name. Oh, it says Krish. It says right here. Okay. Krish. Um, after Krish leaves to pursue his passion, there's like a scene of you like going back to your day job. And then it's like, um, you are clearing out your desk, like getting rid of mementos from your relationship and stuff. And you find your painting set. And that's Florence's passion is art. And so the rest of the story is sort of like, um, she decides, you know, he left to pursue his dream. I'm going to see if I can pursue mine. And that, I mean, that part of the story is fixed. Like she becomes an artist and she opens like a, an, an online store, like an Etsy type store mm-hmm. and starts making a living doing what she loves. Um, there's from that point, like the story bit is linear, but it still allows you to make a, a few decisions. Like when you're cleaning out your desk, you find a picture of you and Kish from like the beginning of your relationship and you can choose to keep the picture or get rid of it. And it doesn't make any comment on what you do. It just allows you to make that choice. And then you can sit there and reflect on it. Cause I made it like the first time I thought about it for a minute and then I kept the picture. And once I put it in the box to keep it, it wouldn't let me take it out. And I was like, oh, I'll go back here and I'll see if, if I can close the box without putting the picture in it. Cause it's like, you're cleaning out your desk from work to take your stuff home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I left the desk or left the picture on the desk the second time and it didn't make me take it. So I assume that, you know, she left it or she threw it away. So no video game logic here. No, no video game logic there. Ding. There's some other moments too, where you make a choice that there's no consequence for. It's just like your own personal choice. Like there's no consequences. For example, if you get rid of all of his shit when he moves in, or if you get rid of all of your shit, but then later, whenever it's removing things that you put in, it's like, Oh, there's nothing of his that I put in. And it, you know, your own. Yeah. He's kind of screwed. Yeah. But I think that that it allows you to reflect on like what type of relationships you've had and what type of person you are. Cause I very much tried to go like 50, 50, you know, there were some things like I have a toaster and he brought a toaster, so we don't need to keep his toaster. That doesn't matter. And like he brought some other kitchen appliances that I had, but like you can like, uh, you have like a shoe rack and he brings three pairs of shoes. And so if you want to put any of his shoes on, like all of your shoes take up the entire rack. So you have to throw out some of your shoes. And I was like, well, I mean, I have like nine pairs of shoes. He only brought three. I could get rid of three pairs of shoes, you know, to accommodate his stuff. And then when he's gone, it's like, oh, there's three holes on the shoe rack. Oh, and the same for like the living room and the entertainment center. Like he brings like a record player and cause he's, uh, his passion is, is music. So he brings an old record player and like stacks of records and he's got some musical instruments and stuff. And I was like, well, I've just got like junk sitting over here. I'll throw this, all this junk out and put his stuff there. But then when he leaves, it's like, oh, like I filled up my life with his stuff. And now that he's gone, I have all these holes in my life. So 
I don't. It, I mean, it's very representative of the type of relationships you have, and that I find that fascinating. And it doesn't, you know, reward you or punish you. It just shows you, like, you filled up your life with all of his stuff, and now his stuff is gone. Or you didn't put any of his stuff in there, and now that he's gone, like, what's really changed for you? I, it's just a cute little game that uses gameplay mechanics to say so much without literally saying anything. Yeah, this it's looks like it's their first game. game, at least on the Google Play Store. Yeah. Yeah, I went to their website and, and checked, and yeah, this is the first game they've ever developed. They're an Australian uh, indie team. It was it was beautiful and brilliant, and I loved it, and I cried a couple of times while I was playing it. You're sounding like you're tearing up now. It's it's I'm th- I'm just thinking about it. It's getting to me a little bit. I'm not. I haven't shed any tears yet, but I'll let you know if I do. Well, I would offer you a shoulder to cry on, but I'm not falling for that one. Fair. I mean, there's a few things that the game might have done without. Like you do it one time and get the point across, but it makes you brush your teeth several times. That mechanic is like you just like move the toothbrush back and forth on the screen and like one time. Okay. That's cool. I got it. You know, you're introducing interactive elements, but you brush your teeth like three or four times. Oh, the clock mechanic. I want to, they bring that up a second time after, uh, you break up with Chris and he moves out. Um, you're like standing after you've like examined the whole house and all of his stuff is gone. There's like a ghost image of him beside you, and wait, he died. No, no, he doesn't die, but it's like I was making a joke. Oh, okay, sorry. But there's there's like a ghost image of him standing beside you, and if you move the clock forward, like the ghost disappears, and it's like you're moving on with your life. But if you try and turn the clock backwards, it like the image doesn't come back, and it's like you can't turn back time. Like, this is happening to you right now. You can't turn back time. It's a beautiful little game. I loved it. I'd buy it again if I could. I'm trying to think if I can use this for therapy somehow. What, that you can't go back or? No, no, no. The game itself. Well, well, I meant the metaphor or the not really metaphor, but, you know, the thing in the game uh, as therapy. Yeah, sort of, but I mean, like, the entire thing, like, here, let's sit down in a session and you play this game. Like, someone who's struggled with loss or relationship issues, just have them act it out in in a game. I don't know, I'll think about it. Maybe I can use it. I've used video games in therapy before. But yeah, Florence, lovely game. I basically just ruined the entire experience for you, though, because I took the punch out of pretty much every moment. Well, not every moment. There are many smaller moments I didn't talk about, but... Yeah, but the people that really cared about that are waiting for us in the future. That's true. That's very true. And then they've come back and they've listened to us. Assuming Spoilers. We're, assuming we're past the timestamp now. Yeah. Spoilers are done, which means that we can go talk about our mini game club. And more spoilers. Yeah, for Divinity Original Sin Enhanced Edition. Yeah, we ended up playing a lot of this game. <laughs> we played this game for a year and a half. Yeah, actually, I'm heading over to my YouTube channel to see when the actual first episode date was, because I, I wanted to see, you know. We still have uh, 
about two and a half weeks left in the backlog. Uh, somewhere in there. Da, da, da. The problem with the, my library is that I have, I have, well, a playlist for every single game I've done. So, you know, there's a lot of them. And I also break up Prim World, so I'm looking for it. Let's see, where are you? No, ah, there we are. And the full playlist, because I don't need to play, uh, do that. First episode was November 30th, 2016. <laughs> November 30th, 2016. Damn. Which, obviously, we played before that, but... Yeah. So, November, November is a year. December, Right January, at a year and a half. March, April, May. Yeah. Pretty much exactly a year and a half. Yeah. Impressive. Indeed. I mean, we didn't play... You know, we played once a week. For a, an hour or two. Or a couple of hours couple hours somewhere between an hour and, uh, to two hours usually yeah yeah we tried to go for an hour each episode there were some that were shorter some that were longer a couple that were crazy stupid long like that last one yeah i, I don't think I there's mean, a really good place to split that no we had to finish that yeah the obviously because we're talking about it, we finished the game but the last episode we recorded was what 90 minutes something like that or more and, and I, yeah the, the problem with the, the last couple of fights was that they uh, just uh, were stalling tactics a lot of times. Yeah. Which, uh, uh, let's talk uh, overall in the game real quick. What do you think of the game overall? As a complete package without really so, uh, uh, yeah, singling anything out. As a complete package, I really liked it. If I was going to give it like a letter grade... Uh, like if I was a teacher and I was grading the work of Divinity, my student, are we getting I would the give red, it like. Are we getting the red marker out? Uh, well, we will for parts of it, but I would give it like a solid B plus. Yeah, um, I, I think I would certain agree with a B. Yeah, a certain B aspects of it were a bit better. Certain aspects of it were a bit worse, but overall, it's like a good for me, like a good B plus. Yeah, I, game. I think somewhere in there. Uh, Probably in the well, mid to lower B range for me, but that's more more me getting into gameplay more than anything else because there was some very very bad sections of gameplay. Uh, and, yeah. And, uh, well, also, in, incidentally, uh, we kind of skipped an entire sequence on the final boss as well. Did we? Yeah. What did we skip? Uh, the boss had four phases, and we went, uh, We were only halfway through three before Medora said, "That's enough." Oh, well, that's because we, um, the phases don't trigger until you kill all of the summons. Or he hits a certain percentage of health. Oh, okay. Yeah, but we wiped out like 4,000 health with that last attack. <laughs> I didn't even go back to look to see just how hard that hit was, but that was a monstrous hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, uh, our party consisted of my playable character, which was a, I guess a ranger hybrid, uh, a ranger caster hybrid. Yours, which was a pretty much a pure sorcerer. Yeah. Or wizard, or whatever you want to call it, since source is evil. Then yeah, we, I was, my character was a wizard. A mage! Then we had, uh, your uh, a companion was Bear Daughter, who was a ranger with a couple of, uh, 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 well, a couple of spell abilities, but nowhere near as strong uh, as I'll put into it. 
Yeah, mine was very basic spells. I had a basic summon, and that was really the only spell I went for. Yeah. Uh, I wound up with a couple that I took for the end that I actually never used. Yeah, me, I went a lot more on uh, spellcasting, a lot more support. Then we had Medora, which was the MVP of our group. (laughs) Yeah, she was Uh, our tank and our DPS. Yeah, she was a a knight class that is essentially a warrior- only more badass two-handed sword and whatever she started critting things just instantly died including the final boss of the game <laughs> yeah yeah she did at least 50 percent of the damage to the final boss if not more and in that final battle there were the four our four characters plus we had two support characters for the entire time and then one support character that because of story reasons would alternate between an ally and an enemy because well the bug was what counted her as dead the bug wasn't why she swapped back and forth i'm not sure if it was supposed to cleanse her before that or not Uh, we uh, this game is buggy as hell yeah, the I would if it wasn't for all of the bugs, I would have said it was like an A minus game because overall I really enjoyed the story. Um, I mean, there was stuff that we forgot because it you know we played the game over the course of eighteen months, but this like con- constantly as we went through the game, I enjoyed the story, the freedom with which you could approach problems and storytelling elements. Um, Granted, you could sometimes completely- uh, they. Well, there was times that they uh, didn't account for a, a certain amount of freedom that you had, and other times that they artificially restricted the amount of freedom that you had. Yeah. Which irritated but, me. But in general, like, it's wide openness and extremely deep lore in this game. Um, you know, that's... I, I, I'm well known, for the most part, for being the story guy out of the two of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was a really well-written, high-quality story. Yeah, well, so that until, gave it a lot of points I would say until me. the second half where it kind of had this major lull. Yeah. But th- th- this is a game of uh, really two halves. The f- the, uh, throughout the game, you go through, I would say, four major maps. Would that be fair? You have uh, the first uh, uh, town with that its a- surrounding area. You have uh, the uh, second town and its surrounding forest. You have the winter map. And then you pretty much have the series of... Uh, uh, well, then you have the Phantom Forest, which is its own separate thing. Yeah, and then there's the third town, too. There's three major yeah. towns, the winter area, the forest, and I guess technically the homestead, like the the astral plane yeah, or whatever. Essentially your home base, which honestly we never really utilized. Not really. There's a lot of stuff that you can do there with like having a, a base to go to and infinite storage and um be able to send stuff there constantly, but eh. yeah. But yeah, we never used it really. It was too difficult. I'd probably use it more if I was by myself, but like the two of us would have to coordinate. Yeah, and also and a lot of loading screens. A lot of loading screens. Although it wasn't too bad for me. I put it on my SSD. Well, see, I didn't put it on my SSD. I did that mostly for recording performance. Um, like, combination of recording performance and just, like, if there's going to be any problem with this game, it's not going to be, you know. Me. Relate. It's not, yeah, it's not going to be me. Because I was the one who was, I was player one. I was the one who hosted the game and mm-hmm. had all the saves. Yeah. So, I was, like, I had a bazillion backup saves 
that I still have, and I'll probably keep them for a little bit just in case. I don't know why, but just in case, like, <laughs> you know, before I get rid of them. Yeah, make sure all the videos are out. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, but, but you yeah. can definitely tell that they spent a lot more time on the first half of the game and a lot more polish on the first half of the game. Yeah. <laughs> because it was a lot more tight of made- experience. There was this giant lull once you got to the second map where the story just kind of stops for quite a while. Yeah, you spend a lot of time spinning your wheels in that second town. We also had the problem, because the game, because it's open, like we said, sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. And we got lost or confused, like we missed something. Well, the thing was that it was very unintuitive because there was a forced stealth section, which I fucking hated, that counteracted all logic. Because in every single other RPG, whenever you encounter an enemy that is invulnerable, that usually means you're not supposed to go there yet, and you're supposed to go do something else. Right. But in this game, you have to sneak past them. And our characters were not designed for stealth, and the tools that we had that could be used were artificially removed, and that was the only time that they ever did that. Yeah. And the, because of also it was sneaking, if you're trying to use like a, an invisibility potion, which was how we got past a couple of areas in the game later on, because I had the both the skills and the materials to craft the really big ones that lasted for more than three turns. Which like turns three were com- a few seconds outside of uh, turn-based combat. Yeah, they were maybe like five to ten yeah, seconds which, a turn. Which that is a little bit of jank having everything referred to as turns whenever outside of combat it's real time yeah yeah there were there were some design issues with the game and there were a few besides the forced stealth section they did a couple of other things where they yeah the hot and cold thing was weird so at one point in the game um there's a specific path you have to follow to get through yeah, this area. Yeah, there's and if a, you stray off the path, it's instant death. Yeah, there's a tomb that you have to go through. Uh, well, maybe not have to go through because uh, how you could approach quests, there's different ways that you could do it with different results. Or you could just you know, leave because that is an option uh, for uh, certain side quests. And the safe route was... A, all the warm buffs, uh, but if you strayed too far into the cold buffs, it instantly killed you, but there were several times that it was tough to tell what buff was uh, the safe one, because both of them would be flashing on the screen, or they would change as you were being struck down. Even yeah. if you were just you know, slowly crawling along. Yeah, as slow as you could, but this, you know, this game is not meant to be stealthy, and it's not meant to be uber precise outside of combat honestly in, there in are combat times... it's not uh, very uh, precise just with the you know enemies moving you click through them yeah there's plenty of times when one whenever you, the the pathing would just run you through fire or poison or something even though it's like it shows you going around sometimes they just dip their toe in and that's enough or, or like if you're just clicking on the overworld map, they'll just go straight from point A to point B and not avoid any obstacles yeah, at all. Yeah, there's two complete, uh, completely different pathing systems. And also, 
uh, whenever it would show you the preview of your line of sight for a shot, uh, sometimes you'll hit the ground and it doesn't show that because it, I guess you're shooting from your feet. And the worst thing of all is the misclicks when the enemy, like there's no hit boxes. So there's no like tiles to click on that guarantees you'll hit the enemy. You actually have to click on their character model and they all have idle animations and sometimes those idle animations move just enough that if you click at the wrong time, you won't actually click on them. But there's no, like, confirm. confirm. Yeah. So if they move and you misclick, that means you're going to start walking in that direction. And, yeah. and waste potentially your entire turn doing that. And for some fights, that's game over. Yeah. This game we has an Iron Man mode and a tactics mode, which uh, beefs, up, uh, beefs up the AI and gives them new uh, new bags of tricks. I could see why not many people have beat this game on Iron Man mode. It w- would be fucking infuriating, particularly some of the rather nasty tricks that it throws at you. Yeah, the instant deaths. Uh, especially uh, that one boss fight towards the end of the first chapter where... If you have it spread out, it's instant death, or you don't know it's coming, it's instant death. Yeah. I forget what his name was, but like Braxis you run Rex. into the room. Was was that Brax? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Braxis? Okay, I can remember if it was him and another boss, but you run into the room, and after you talk to him, he immediately calls down what I believe is the Meteor yeah. spell. Meteor Strike. Yeah, and it will, it can insta-kill your entire party. Yeah, if you have it put on essentially resistance uh, gear, because resistance potions and spells would wear off during the chat. Yep. Which is because that still counts as real time outside of combat. Yeah, which is a BS move. So, I'm honestly a little shocked other... that we didn't get killed uh, during the ending dialogue because uh, we were standing in fire. Yeah, yeah. The character, one of the characters, exploded in a fire, and uh, we were stuck. In dialogue, while standing in fire, and just watching our armor get <laughs> destroyed. Yeah. But, it, you know, there's some plenty of foibles and faults with it, but it does some really interesting things, too. Like, how well it actually interacts elements together. Like, by the end of the game, in that final fight, I used a teleport scroll to drop somebody into the middle of a poison cloud, and they were on fire. So, they took damage from the fall from the teleport because the teleport like drops them from like 10 feet in the air or something like that. And they were on fire. So when they fell into the poison cloud, they got poisoned and the cloud exploded doing additional damage to them. And there's tons of little interactions that you can do to create interesting effects or to exploit enemy weaknesses. Like throwing barrels at someone and, you know, igniting the barrel. Yeah. And causing that to explode into a giant field of flame we did that a couple or, times we yeah we did that many times or electrifying puddles underneath someone's feet uh, and it can be puddles of anything that's liquid blood water urine. um urine poison like toxic sludge on the ground they all can get electrocuted but, and will do uh, but damage the problem is that and it stun. doesn't always show yeah where that puddle leads because there were several times that you would electrify something and it would uh, connect to other things that you weren't intending. At least I hope you weren't intending. It yeah. would stun at least one of our characters. Yeah. So I do think that the game could have done uh, its information a little bit better. And also it's AI because 
Oh boy, the AI has a lot of tricks that it could use, and it gets confused often. Uh, the, the last fight, oh, <laughs> the AI had no idea what it was supposed to do at times. Yeah, one of our ally AI got, well, he didn't get stuck. He could have moved, but he just kept standing right in front of the main end boss, and he was the only character that died. I mean, he got rezzed. Yeah, by so another you know, ally, but... He, uh, he got better. Uh, he just got wrecked. Yeah. It was hilarious because he would walk away from the boss, shoot something uh, because he was a mage, and then run back up and start hitting the thing with his uh, the main boss with the wand or his little stick or whatever he was uh, uh, equipped with. But it was just ridiculous, and that's not the yeah. only time that we had that. We had one time that we had a character pretty much just run away and hide in the corner. You remember that in the mines? Yeah. And it took us a bit to realize why we weren't out of combat yet. Yeah, we had to find them. And for the most part, that wouldn't be bad, but there were several times that the turn timer would break. And, you know, if he wasn't on the current screen, you know, that would have been a lot tougher. What was some of the bugs we had? We had the turn timer break. We had me. Health sync. Yeah. Well, health sync. We had times that. My weapon wouldn't equip, or it wouldn't show me having a weapon equipped, so it, uh, all my ranger abilities that required a bow equipped would be unavailable. Uh, we had... Uh, well, the health sync one was constant, too, because yeah. uh, um, for me, like I would see their, his health the correct value, because I assume it's because I was the host yeah, of the game. Yeah, it would be you local, but uh, it would be some sort of rounding error. And I would see everyone at approximately two-thirds to uh, 75% health. Yeah, thank God I was a mage. And there was a, there's a spell that um, uh, essentially ups your constitution stats. But when it does that, it recalculates health. And so you can use that to fix the health sink bug. But if I wasn't a mage, I, I mean, we would have had to have wasted points or money uh xp points or, or money granted money wasn't exactly an that. issue because i ended up the game with like fifty thousand gold and not even accounting the junk i was carrying to sell yeah i i ended the game with something like thirteen thousand. i bought a ton of stuff to prepare for the final battle that i didn't even need and before that i had yeah honestly i was expecting the final too. battle to be a lot more of a battle of attrition yeah well, then again, like I said, we skipped an entire phase because Mador pretty much ended it. To be fair, I did call that. Yeah, because my, you you were all tactical, you know, using the uh, uh, poison effects and uh, the different spell effects. I just threw Madora at problems. Yeah, but I didn't have Madora. Yeah, but at first you were questioning me even bringing Madora. Why? Why are you bringing her? And towards the end, I didn't like her at first. I didn't like her character at first. Yeah, but toward the end, uh, she was your favorite. That's a whole well, I mean, lot was, of woman. She was more powerful than at least any two of us put together. Maybe all three of the other characters combined. Uh, that might be a little bit of a stretch because if all three characters were attacking on the same turn, I don't know. It's tough to say, but she was at least as powerful as two of us. So, of course, she was my favorite. And she was funny too, because she was, she's a southern, she's got a southern bale. 
sort well, that's not really a Southern Belle. That's just kind of like an extreme Southern accent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, it's great. But, it fits her character perfectly. Uh, yeah, her character was a disgraced uh, source hunter. Uh, she essentially abandoned her post uh, after she uh, she was essentially beaten to death and was brought back to life. And then she ran away and was feeling a lot of uh, dishonor. And she wanted to uh, uh, to redeem herself in the order. And she was uh, also slightly paranoid. <laughs> yeah. Seeing, uh, uh, at least in the very beginning, uh, seeing plots and uh, uh, trickery everywhere. The feline menace. Mm-hmm. She didn't like cats. Well, to be fair with Aru, uh, you can't blame her. Uh, blame her. Which Aru... Yeah, Aru uh, is a wizard cat. Actually, a cat wizard. And Yeah, cat wizard. Yeah, he was a cat that was made a man uh, by one of the uh, uh, by the main antagonist, wasn't it? Or one of the main? He was made a a man by Cassandra, who was Braxis's sister. Braxis's Braxis Rex's Braxis. sister. Uh, yeah, who, who was a bad guy, but she wasn't gal. one of the. Or yeah, a bad girl. She's a bad, bad girl, but she wasn't one of like the main bad. Yeah, she was girls. wanting to be a main bad girl, but she just never was able to uh, stand up to the big leaks. Yeah. Which there were, there's a number of different ways that mini quests can go. Like that quest, for example, she captures Arhu at the end. And you have a few options with what you can do. She, Yeah, you can bargain with her and uh, to essentially mind rape Arhu to love her again. Yeah. Because he you can... Because he's, uh, uh, seen that she's uh, gone completely uh, batshit insane because she was turned into a lick. Yep, we discovered that's the proper pronunciation of the word lich is lich. Yeah, you have to add the extra phlegm though. Lich. Yeah, perfect. Oh. Uh, but yeah. uh, she, it, which uh, corrupted her and turned her evil. Uh, but until that point, yeah, you know, they uh, very much loved one another. And she was wanting to corrupt Aru uh, to her view of things, essentially. So you could work out a deal with her. You could l- actually just leave them and leave the uh, quest open. Yeah. Uh, you could free uh, Aru and he'll just beat the ever-loving snot out of her. Uh, but you have to make her vulnerable so she dies. Yeah. You could uh, get a what's called a stasis fern to essentially lock Aru in his cat form, and then he kills her. <laughs> you can actually kill Arhu to complete that yeah. quest, too. Yeah, uh, I was I about to say, I, I, was, I, I, would ass- I, I would assume that you could kill him. Yeah, you can kill him, um, and then she'll mm-hmm. still complete the quest and give you the Soul Forge spell. By give, I mean, uh, yeah, she's probably pissed with us, and we have to kill her, or? No, she just gives it to you. Uh, despair? It's- it's like um, Arhu re- like refuses to join her. It's like a dialogue thing you can prompt between them, and he refuses to ever love her again. And she gets mad, and she's like, oh, "I'll kill you!" And then you help her kill Arhu, and then she's like, "Thank you. I guess he was never gonna love me again." And then she gives you the spell, and then you can go on the little quest and remove her immunity and come back and kill her too for 
extra XP because you would get the XP for killing Arhu, the XP for completing the quest, and then the XP for killing her. Oh, the video game logic version of it. Indeed. We did that a number of times. <laughs> we never did go back and kill the starting town now that I think about it. We didn't. I mean, to be fair, it's kind of a uh, uh, child's play at this point. Yeah, they're all like level four, five, six tops. We're level 21, which is the highest level you can reach in the game. Well, we'd be level 20 because uh, there's a point in no return. Oh, that's right, because we turned level 21 during the well, final. We, we, we turned 21 with the experience from the final boss. Right. Which, yeah, it's just perfect, right? Yeah. There's a bunch of different endings, too. So there's a few variations on, like, the yeah. main game ending. Like, the main ending is you always defeat the Void Dragon. But uh, and lock him back in the God Box. Yeah, in the God Box. Uh, there's a couple of different characters who can die or live or get bugged out and be treated as if they died. Yeah, that which is what happened to us. I'm, I'm certain I didn't put that scroll away, so... Uh, it was in my inventory somewhere, and it just didn't, the flag on it didn't trigger because it was probably in a bag. Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, a little ending where it's, like, you know, like, the game. And Savior like number one end. and Savior number two so, uh, in story. Essentially, yep. uh, you get teleport. Uh, actually, the portion with the uh, Source Academy is new in the Enhanced Edition. Okay. I didn't read that anywhere, but. I could see that. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, then you get the, this little flavor. And I was savior number one, and you were savior number two. And for our flavor, like, uh, my character fell in love with you, but you didn't reciprocate. Um, and I would, like, think about you every time there was a sunset, and you, like, forgot all about me uh, after your next meal. Yeah, after breakfast. <laughs> but there's there's a bunch of different ones of those. There's yeah, including just... A dozen. Yeah. Including just falling in love so much that you cause uh, you create your own soul forge, which is essentially just linking your two lives uh, together to the point where uh, if one dies, the other dies instantly. Yeah, um, and that that's all uh, based off of a combination of your traits, like bold, uh, romantic, whatever. Like basically, dear listener, there are these these like little flavor things you can get based on your responses to conversations and certain actions you take and uh, conversations with one another. Yeah. They give you bonuses to different abilities, depending on which way you lean uh, or different stats. And then there were also key conversations that it kept track of, of how we responded to one another or to whoever it was we were talking to. Actually, Medora is also a a character that gets a lot of mileage out of conversation because her quest could uh, all the companions have their own side quest because, you know, it's an RPG and Medora's could turn out a couple different ways depending on how you treated her and how you taught her throughout the game because she's this very vindictive, uh, uh, borderline hateful person at the very beginning. And that's probably why you didn't like her. Yeah. Well, it's the same for Baird, too, because we Baird, looked it up. Yeah, I remember Baird was we were also playing. very naive at the beginning. If you're not, you know honest and kind to her and sort of teach her about the duality of man like when you get to that fight with her antagonist person she will join him and then you have to fight her too well at least do you get her loot back yeah you would get her loot back but she has it during the fight which would be rough because she had a lot of special arrows 
<laughs> but yeah, let's see. We've been off in the weeds for a little while. Are there any general overall stuff uh, that you want to talk about besides just uh well we've uh hit a bit on the tactical side of things and uh, how it works and kind of how it doesn't we uh, didn't really go too much into the story but that's a very 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 big topic yeah it's whew, we could be here for a while talking about that i mean it's to really like sum it up and really in a nutshell it's a a pretty it, standard it, it, sort of adventure yeah, it starts off as a murder mystery yeah, it starts off as a murder mystery, but relatively quickly expands into what you would think of as a sort of typical fantasy, uh, magical... Save the world. Save the world Chosen one, line. or Chosen Ones. Chosen Two. Yeah. Just the two of us. And our other two companions. <laughs> but mostly Bator. Yeah. Do you ever think you'll play it again? Uh, um... Probably not, or at least not all the way through. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I think if I like, play it again, I would I'd... definitely uh, power game it, and uh, because there, uh, there are certain combinations that work a lot better together. Like towards the end, once I gave Medora some of the air magic, and she was able to uh, teleport around a lot easier. Uh, she had two abilities that. Uh, she could uh, do a what's called a thunder leap, which would uh, teleport her to a, a enemy and have a chance to stun them. Then she had a teleportation spell, which she could drag someone to her. <laughs> yeah, and then you also had bull rush, which was a move attack, which could knock an enemy down. Yeah, which that was Is that what it was called bull yeah. rush. I mean, I I want to go back and experience some of the things that we didn't because there were two other companions that we didn't even touch yeah um and i'd like to experience a different style of gameplay but because, not together i mean i right? watched <laughs> yeah well I, I mean i watched you play a melee character the entire game but both of my characters were ranged i was a, a ranged mage and then my sidekick was a, a ranged character yeah and she i had a crossbow yeah and i had melee and a ranged so i was uh, so, uh, trying to dance around all the flames because you yeah. were uh, an AOE uh, focused uh, mage that did a lot of ground effects which yeah, uh, mostly fire based which were I have to admit kind of irritating at times uh, especially with That's a fair. character that is so uh, reliant on positioning yeah but I mean I would like to experience that and try out some of the stuff I didn't even touch like uh, it wasn't until the very end of the game that I picked up some of the witchcraft spells, and those were some really good ones. Like, that one had a charm spell, a buff attack spell, a steel life spell. Yeah, like there, there were some good things in there that I didn't even see until the very end of the game. Like when I summoned the air elemental, and you were trying to figure out what the hell that was. Yeah. And the air elemental but, actually was very useful because I was able to gently lift the person that was uh, uh, very injured and in fire... And uh, set him gently behind you so you could heal them. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, there, there's some aspects of the gameplay I'd like to see. There's some story stuff that we completely skipped uh, yeah, the, because of those two side characters that we missed. Um, and there was a couple minor side quests that we never finished. Yeah. 
But I, I just, <laughs> yeah, I think I've I've had my fill this game. You know, maybe after some time has passed, a year, two years, um, maybe next time I'm on a trip with a in the future when I have a better laptop because my laptop can play it, but quite poorly. Um, you know, maybe in a couple of years I would go back and revisit it. I do want to check out the second one, but I still need a break before I jump into that. <laughs> yeah, because CRPGs are very tiring. Yeah. I, after playing around with Medora, though, I do think that I may be able to appreciate the rogue a bit more, but I would definitely need uh, the tank as well. So, you know, either Medora or take a... There's also the whole mercenary system that we never touch, which is essentially just a randomly generated character that you could hire. But honestly, yeah. uh, the named companions, I would say, are the real meat of the uh, uh, party. And there's also a few mods. One that allows you to have more characters, which for makes some fights a joke, but others, I, you know, I don't think it really matters that much. Uh, particularly the final few. There's delaying tactics, there's uh, invulnerability auras, there's, you know, you have to kill everything else first, or you don't have to, but it's very tough to do, uh, you know, otherwise. That, uh, you know, drew out the fights that I don't think an extra two characters would really matter all that much. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I really did enjoy it. I did too. We played the whole game together. Yeah. You could definitely get through it faster if you played by yourself. Well, you would also, you know, uh, be able to do certain things a lot faster. You know, be able to coordinate by yourself a lot easier. Uh, there, I'm a little disappointed that they never really, uh, outside of one or two instances, make use of having two playable characters at the same time. Because you had the mirror dungeon at the very beginning. And then you had before the source uh, temple that one sequence. Was that the one that I discovered how to beat accidentally? No, 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 was... no. Uh, that well, I'm, that may have played into oh, it as well. Talking... But the, uh, the trap with the, all the gates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. But yeah, you know, it was rare to you know have it where having two individual players. Uh, be able to coordinate together really came into play. Unless you're doing some sort of odd combo. Yeah. I would say that it would have been useful in that last sequence that we skipped by accident because I discovered... Yeah, you were impatient and just sitting there twiddling your thumbs and clicking on things. I wasn't impatient. I just fidget. And that translates into a game like this where it's like, oh, I can click on all these things. And what it was is there was a ring of candles on the floor. And I was like, oh, I'm going to click on all the candles and light all the candles in the ring. And when I did that, it was like, pew, you did a thing. And I was like, oh, well, there's this one candle in the center. I wonder what happens when I just light this one candle. And it's like, pew, you did a thing. And like in hindsight, it feels really obvious. But if you're not a player, yeah, but there's just also, like messes with yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's also so many uh, clickable objects in that room. Yeah. Yeah, there's tons of stuff to click and interact with that doesn't really do much. Like, you can click on stuff that's broken, and you'll be like, yep, that thing's broken. But you can still click on it. Really feeds into uh, the gamer's need to just 
click everything, Your OCD. open everything. Yeah. That's the only time in the whole game that paid off. Yeah, most of the time it uh, actually was uh, yeah, detrimental to us. Accidentally activating a trap or something? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't be afraid to play with a guide with this game, too, yeah. if you want to play this game. Because, I mean, we had to... Well, it, there were a couple of times when we just looked at a guide to speed something along, but there were several times in the game where we were like, we're lost and we don't know what to do. Let's consult, wait, we kept saying consult the Oracle, which was just Google, but we would we would look stuff up plenty of times. So don't be afraid to use a guide for this on your first playthrough, or hell, even on your second or third one, when you're trying to find stuff and figure yeah, stuff out. Yeah, it may be less important if you're playing uh, by yourself uh, uh, all the way through, because or in all the way through in less than a year and a half. Yeah, uh, because you know, you'll remember things in between uh, play sessions a lot easier. Because there were sometimes that you know we'd have to try to recall something that happened to us you know, a month ago, two months ago. Yeah, and there was some stuff at the end of the game. We were like, "Who are these people?" And they were characters from the beginning of the game. And if you were playing through. You know, over the course of a couple of weeks or a month, even like two months, you you would remember that stuff. But, you know, for us, that was over a year ago, whenever we last saw that character. So that I'm sure that took away from some of the impact of that final, like, weird nightmare universe. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't I don't really think I have anything more to add. Um. I don't want to go off in the weeds again. Like, we've brought up all the major points, and sure, we could get into the nitty gritty, but. I mean, overall. Well, obviously, like said, it's time to move game. on. Uh, the bell told. <laughs> that must um, have been an interesting waveform. Yeah. And I'm not looking at it, but I'm sure I'll see it in editing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, like I said, solid B plus game for me. I'd recommend it to somebody who likes CRPG, or honestly, someone who doesn't. Uh, this was, let's see, this was one that I wasn't interested in, but you had me check it out because you thought I would like it. Yeah, it, and I did. Yeah, I would say the probably the biggest problem with it is its combat could be unintuitive. It doesn't. It, it gives you just enough information to make the wrong move at times. Yeah. Uh, especially on attacking because there's certain attacks that are AOE uh, uh, essentially fanning out from you but if the ground rises up too much it'll block the attack for example the rangers uh, on their master spells or their uh, 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 adept spells there's four levels of spells or sorry, three levels of spells, and you as you rank up, you're able to learn more and more of the different ranks. So, one of the spells is called Arrow Spray, which, uh, as the name implies, you're just rapidly shooting in an arc in front of you. Well, whenever you ca- uh, go to cast a spell, it shows the arc, and you're able to aim it. But, it doesn't show you if the ground rises up too much, it b- it'll block the spell. Or if something gets knocked down, it'll actually, you'll shoot over the enemy. Which, in hindsight, makes sense, but, you know, you're expecting to damage things in that arc, right? Yeah. The one that bothered me was that there are plenty of AoE spells 
that actually have a wider area of effect than it tells or you. Or secondary effects, like uh, the uh, Earth Elemental has a all the uh, different elementals that you get. Well, actually, all the summons have a, a, an additional ability whenever you're directly controlling them on their turn. And the Earth Elemental has a Poison Spore ability that will shoot out Poison Bolts, essentially. Uh, hit something, do poison damage, and poison the ground under them. Well, when I used it, it <laughs> spread out a hell of a lot more than what the AoE said. <laughs> which was yeah. irritating. Well, my strongest attack um, had an a-, an a larger area of effect than the circle told me. And the first time I used it... I didn't know that, obviously, because I'm expecting it to be within the circle. And it's like, oh, shit, I hit us, despite the fact that we were outside of the circle. Which is not good. Obviously. So. And and that's also a once-per-combat <laughs> ability. Yeah. Yeah, it was basically an opener. It cost so much AP. I had to use it either to initiate combat, when you don't have to worry about AP costs of stuff, or on my first turn. That was less of a problem by the end, but especially when I first got it. But yeah, I think we're uh, done with Divinity. Well, outside of releasing episodes, of course. Indeed. Feels weird, doesn't it? Feels good. I liked Divinity, but man, it's been a long time. Yeah, so 200 hour game now? Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, I mean, we got through it in 85, 86 episodes. That a- yeah. actually is way below average. What's the average time to complete? I think it's 100. Well, we played it more, yeah. though, than that. We had plenty of off-screen time where we had to do inventory stuff and management. Uh, well, the... Uh, the speed record for it, uh, well, uh, well, sorry, that's the second uh, Divinity Original Sin. Uh, do you want to guess the speed record for the second game while I look up the original? Uh, two hours. 37 minutes. God damn it. People play these games too fast. Uh, let's see. Main plus extras, 84 and a half hours. Completionist 109, which we were more on the completionist route. We only missed a couple of the main or major side quests. Main plus extras, though, is 84, which is a little over what we did because we didn't spend that much time actively playing uh, in between episodes outside of your crafting uh, uh, orgies. Crafting time. Yeah, those could take forever. Yeah, I should have brought a book. So... I think, uh, speaking of books, let's close the book on this one. Indeed. And I think that went up to full game club. (laughs) It did. It did, because we're at almost two hours of recording time. Before we move on any farther, though, I need to take a quick break. Alrighty. Alrighty. Moving on to the news... Scara, The Blade Remains, writes players' stories into its lore. This is a completely editorialized new heading. Uh, I would say better. Title. It's better, though, because the original 
Uh, says Scar of the Blade. No, wait. No. You changed that one too. No, 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 no. The original is Leroy Jenkins' approach to world building. Scar of the Blade uh, remains developers. 8 bit studios tells us how it's enabling players to shape the lore and story of its on its online fantasy battler. Which the second isn't uh, even shown until you click it. It's just the Leroy Jenkins approach to world building. Yeah. So they use the example of Le- the whole Leroy Jenkins thing from WoW to be like, this is incorporated into player lore. But really what they're talking about is something more along the lines of EVE Online, where that they're utilizing player outcomes to situations to... Not necessarily well, well, be not vague, just, but they were well, kind of vague in their article. Uh, they're talking more about player backstories as well. Uh, you know, uh, rivalries between individual players trying to outperform one another could be written to the story. Uh, relationships right. uh, p- could be written to the story. So it's not just right. you know, things like battle outcomes that the uh, Eve originally had. Yeah, so Eve's 13 years old? this year 14 years old the first few years of eve's life was just like we're the space sim where you can do anything but at some point that turned into oh my god we have these huge player factions basically that are controlling huge portions of the galaxy and having wars and they started putting up monuments for big battles and Uh, stuff like eve just into the game uh, 15 15 okay it released may 6 2003 okay but at some point they added like a monument for a battle and then they've just been leaning more and more into that um and the last big update that when i was playing eve was that players could finally construct their own space stations yeah uh, uh yeah there's there were... all sorts of new stories about eve turning th- uh, 15 okay but yeah, so I mean, Eve has been leaning into this for years at this point, and it's really worked from them. They've had steady uh, growth and consistent player numbers for a long time because people feel like they matter. And the gist of this, I believe, is Skara wants to have their game be like that. Yeah, but it looks like they're know. focusing more on smaller stories and not the bigger scale ones that eve tends to do which i could understand that yeah especially as a new game and a new developer or well are they new devs who's Um, developing this i'll have to go look at that real quick continue talking about eve (laughs) what do you want me to say about eve i don't know i mean eve has got officially Uh, studio okay which I'm looking on Steam. Uh, it's their only game. So. I'm just seeing if they did other things on other places. Yeah. Mm. Let's see. Eight, uh, hang on. There it is. 8-Bit Studio. Wikipedia. Assuming this. No, it looks like this may be a different 8-Bit Studio. I mean, who would have guessed that 8-Bit Studio would be tough to find, right? Yeah. Uh, Okay, no, that's an anime studio. Ugh. 8-Bit Studio. 8-Bit Studio Scara. Okay, this is it. It looks like it may be their only game. Okay, so essentially an unknown or relatively unknown dev with a new 
uh, game. Yeah, new free-to-play game. Yeah. It makes sense to start small like that. I mean, Eve, you know, started small in comparison to what they're at now. I mean, chronicling, you know, giant battles between thousands of players is, I think, a bit larger scale than this. But compared to where they are now, where they actually have officially created, like, history videos to view the history of their world and a massive wiki page with hundreds of articles officially curated to describe the various uh, galaxy-changing events that have happened. You know, this is... They were small. You know, what they did at the beginning was small, too, so... It's an interesting idea that in an age where, like, 90% of everything is procedurally generated, it's it's a, a new or a new-ish or perhaps an underused way to develop a game. Um, well, I just... This makes me think back to my World of Warcraft time where uh, during the uh, sequence where I was getting disillusioned with the game, there was this huge focus on this one character. You may not have heard of him called Thrall. <laughs> and... I don't know if it was the same where you played, because I know you did for a while with your mom. Uh, yeah. But uh, players were starting to get sick of hearing about Thrall this, Thrall that. And honestly, I think if, pl- if players wrote the lore, they would have probably killed Thrall long ago. I actually, it would have been a lot more interesting than what they ended up doing with them. But... Yeah. Uh, th- there's a definite disconnect at times with lore and gameplay more so if the developers are wanting to shove a particular storyline down the players throats and really just doesn't care about the feedback that the players are giving that we're tired of this character we want something else or we want to go back to this place we want to see this thing we want to know more about this mysterious uh you know hinted at secret in this uh, raid that you made you know, years ago that you finally put out as a five-man uh, dungeon when you were uh, originally planning on doing a full raid with extra lore bits and everything else. You know, that it would uh, allow a lot more of an interesting direction, I think. Granted, World of Warcraft is probably a bad example of this because there's a lot of preset stuff and there's a lot of, pl- of nooks and crannies that players would want to go into that isn't really filled out. This, it's more of a blank slate and allowing players to kind of color it in as they go along, which definitely has its pitfalls. It could end up being just a muddled mess and, you know, not really making any sense because, you know, it could be gamed. I mean, it's a video game. Yeah. But at the same time, it could be a lot more interesting. It could uh, become a lot more intricate. Or it could just fall flat on its face because this is a free-to-play game on a market that has a lot of them. Yeah, I hope it pans out in a positive direction. Um, I, I feel like I've seen some more he, here recently. Maybe backlash is too strong of a word, but games, some some larger games releasing that aren't doing the whole procedural generation thing and that aren't doing the whole let's create a massive giant thing and promise the world and not have it. I mean, there are those games that exist, obviously, that have, released recently like sea of thieves oh i thought you were saying that 
uh, weren't doing that at all, like God of War. And that's pretty much the only major title that's not been some sort of online, procedurally generated thing lately. Yes, but there have been other indie titles. Like, indie leaned heavy on procedural generation for a while. But this, they're starting to, I've seen some start to get away from it a bit. Maybe not going full procedural generation, scaling it back. The, I feel like there's a lot of players who are saying we're, you know, we're tired of these massive, giant, procedurally generated things that are soulless. And this is one way to inject some soul into the game. Yeah. I, it's a fine line to walk, though, between, like, what the players want versus what you should do. And also what's uh, uh, viable as a business, because making a, you know, a giant world that's all handmade... A single person can't do that as a lifetime's work, but it's not a viable business option. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not everyone can be 2D1, you know, uh, and create Dwarf Fortress as, you know, his magnum opus for the last 12 or 13 years. Yeah. But uh, I do think that there is definitely a, a middle ground in between procedural generation and handcrafted stuff but i think as we continue on and just have a more and more computing power to be able to throw at procedural generation it will allow more variables to make more interesting things hopefully because it also requires a lot more design work on the algorithms and all the little some things that it puts into the world. So th there's definitely some sort of middle ground that I think needs to be struck with procedural generation, which has some of my dream games uh, in it that, you know, like that detective game I talked about ages ago and, you know, pitch a game. It relied on procedural generation for some of it, but it requires a certain type of procedural generation. And this, yeah, having it where all the players are creating the lore is kind of the opposite of that, really. Yeah. But it's definitely an interesting uh, marketing gimmick at the very least. Because I never heard of this game before this. Yeah, me neither. And it's not... It doesn't look like the type of game that I'm necessarily interested in, but who knows, I might try it out. Yeah, it looks like it's an online brawler, so sort of battle right, I guess. Which I realize battle right is more arena than anything else. Yeah, I'm just seeing what the Steam charts are saying about this game. Ooh, those are some low numbers. As in, like, play current players. Yes. Um. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, it's slightly less popular than Evolve. Well, that's some. That's an achievement, right there. Yeah, it's actually less popular than Evolve as our me a measuring stick. <laughs> Playing now, one. That's the developer. <laughs> Although you can download this game outside yeah. of Steam, there might be a player base there. Yeah, as well. Yeah, may have uh, have a. Yeah, well, I shouldn't say most. All of its player count outside of Steam. And it just came to early access uh, recently. I'm not actually sure of the history on that. 
Yeah. I mean, it definitely has I mean, uh, quite a few reviews. So, yeah, there's something going on. Yeah. Or maybe the servers are just down. Or not, who knows? But it does look like it's still in, or, in early access and uh, active development. So there's something going on with it, at least. So, uh, yeah, as a marketing gimmick, it worked right there. So anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. Not on this one. All right. Moving on then, our next news topic, Pinball Arcade losing over 50 Bally and Williams tables on June 30th. This one was your topic. Yeah, this is so a, I'll more let you of, uh, a little bit of a PSA slash, you know, kind of uh, licensing screwing over yet another game. Uh, for those who don't know, Pinball Arcade is, well, technically a free-to-play game on Steam. It's the same sort of model that uh, Pinball FX uses, where it has a free table and then you're able to buy DLC packs. Only the difference with Pinball Arcade, for one, is that it's a simulation, not an arcade game, which I realize the irony of that there because you know arcade games pinball yep but it's a realistic simulation of licensed pinball games and their licensing deal seems to be up and they are cutting two-thirds of their library including some very famous pinball games and doctor who terminator 2 judgment day the adams family I'm just looking at some of these. The Black Knight 2000s, I think a pretty popular one. I mean, just an amazing, amazing amount of... Oh, their Doctor Who cabinet. Uh, an amazing amount of uh, content just being stripped away from a game because of licensing. And this is something that we've really been hitting quite often recently. It seems to be on an uptick. I'm not sure if you know, there's a full moon or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there have been a number of, of licenses for various things running out for various games. I mean, how uh, did you hear about uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3? No. It's completely off Steam right now. Oh. The same reason. Uh, licensing from uh, its distributor is gone. Uh, so the GOG and Steam has to renegotiate. So who knows if that comes back. Thankfully, I bought it at some point. Uh, because, you know, I don't have enough games, obviously. But, yeah, it's just, like I said, this is more of a PSA if there's people that are interested in pinball or playing some of these rather famous but hard-to-find cabinets. Because pinball has kind of uh, become a a bit difficult to find out in the wild outside of a major arcade or one of the major pinball museums in the U.S. and around the world because... It's a very complex machine. Pinball is a lot more complex than you may think. To, and the cabinets take a beating. Yeah. So it's an expensive thing to keep active. That's why, you know, when arcades were a thing, you would only see a handful of arcade uh, uh, arcades have more than a few uh, pinball machines. So uh, this was the one of the few ways to actually be able to play them. So if you want to get your uh, uh, fill of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, the pinball game, and yes, there was one. Actually, it was a pretty good one from what I understand. 
uh, or could recall. I think I played it at one point. Uh, you have until June 30th. Any comments? Mm, I mean, nope. they're going from 93 tables uh, with their EA, or, or with their DLC, I should say, because it's the same model that Pinball FX uses, like I said, down to 33. I mean, that's a hell of a cut. And who knows that they'll come back. Yeah. I mean, this will be a big hit to them. Yeah. I assume they're trying to renegotiate. I, I would assume so. But, but, but you know, they made the announcement the just being. in case. Or maybe to, yeah. uh, you know, as a negotiating deal, you know, put a little bit of pressure. Like, you know, look at all the people that are uh, uh, getting these. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, that's really all I really had to say about it. Me too. All right. Well, you didn't have anything to say about it. I really didn't. This was your topic. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Another one of those. Uh, well, yeah, just licensing. Licensing deals. Yeah, licensing screwing the uh, gamer again. It, it's getting kind of old, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, we're going to keep seeing this probably in greater frequency moving forward. Yeah. It's just a different world than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah, especially... Moving forward in 10 more years, we'll probably see less of this problem, but there will be some new problem. Well, well there's uh, kind of a, a slightly related problem that's going on right now with... Uh, and now I'm blanking on the uh, initialism for the European privacy uh, law. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? That uh, went into effect uh, this month? Or goes into effect? Yes. Uh, it's uh, there's smaller indie games. It's been that's just don't have a lot of a population. Uh, either shuttering or you know uh, going uh, to various different modes. So Ludo is the last uh, one that's announced that they're closing up by the end of the month. Uh, loadout, uh, Super Monday Night Combat. Uh. There's been a couple others that I'm blanking on, but those are the two big ones that I've uh, at least have a history with. Where, yeah, uh, it's too expensive to comply with the new law, which honestly, I don't even know what it really changes for him. Because I haven't been able to dig that deep into it. Yeah. So, yeah, just privacy laws and everything else. It's a changing landscape. So it'll be interesting to see where gaming goes in the next 10 years, uh, especially as we have more of an online presence and games as a service, because you don't own your games anymore. You own a license. Yeah, unless you, well, even if, I was going to say, unless you buy a physical copy, that's but the, that's not necessarily true yeah, either. Because, uh, hell, what was it, Call of Duty, that you bought a physical copy and it was a printed cardboard CD with the uh, CD, with the Steam key on it? Uh, maybe. That was definitely Metal, the the most recent Metal Gear Solid game. Uh, but, yeah, it's getting to the point where games, uh, can and will shut down and be gone forever. To the point where the only way that you'll be able to experience them is YouTube. And screenshots. There's not going to be archives of these games. Which is a shame, because, yep, we're going to lose a chunk of gaming history as we 
forget how important archiving is. We had the same problem with television. Early, early, early television. There's so many shows that are just either completely gone or just completely fractured. Some don't really matter. Others you know, are still you know, active today. I mean, the first seasons of Doctor Who, you know, there's only bits and pieces of. And what we have were ju- are just, you know, happenstance people kept because it wasn't considered important to uh, archive it. People didn't think Doctor Who was going to be important back then. Who knows what game now uh, people look at and say, that was an important game for this reason. Uh, there was uh, this little no-name designer that worked on this game who went on to become the the next, you know, and I'm blanking on a person to call him because uh, the next Sid Meier. I, I was thinking, I'm trying to think of a positive name. I didn't want to say the next Peter Molyneux, the other, uh, <laughs> because that's a that's a slur in my vocabulary. I don't know. Well, that already exists. That's Sean Murray. Well, I don't want to call someone the next Sean Murray because yeah, you know, that's even worse. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, be able to go back and see the influence that this person may have had or you know see their uh, what influenced them you know they they talk about their time playing you know the original world of warcraft well you can't do that well maybe you can whenever the classic ver- or the classic servers come out but who knows how that have ch- well changed you know, if it ever comes out speaking of world of warcraft indeed speaking of world of warcraft a World of Warcraft attacker is jailed in the United States over a DDoS attack. Yeah, this is I'm opening the link. A, a very very old DDoS on <laughs> on World of Warcraft. So that just says how long it took him to get this guy. And it's rare to really get someone that performs a DDoS because they're commanding a botnet. So it's uh, kind of a just an idea on itself. Yeah. Yeah, my brain just kind of like floated away as I tried to form a sentence. Quick, catch it. Um, don't, no, don't open the no. window. It's gone. It's gone. The fan blew it away. Oh, um, so you're an airhead now. Pretty much. It's uh, interesting to see this. I mean, it took eight, roughly eight years um, for this to all come to fruition. Yeah, this is from the initial attack. Uh, the initial attack was between February and September 2010. And as far as I know, there haven't been very many other cases where this um, someone has actually been persecuted for for doing this. So on the one hand, I'm like, I don't know if this is actually going to really mean anything. Um, on the other hand... I'm going, well, I, th- I think this is a good thing. I mean, we need digital law, basically, to catch up to where we are. Granted, I'm not sure I want this administration being in charge of any of that, <laughs> but that's a discussion for another well, time. Well, look at it this way. By the time they figure it out, uh, the, this administration should be gone because the wheels of government turn slowly. Unless... unless greatly prompted and I uh, having a presence online like this uh, to have uh, yeah 
persecution online, it is, I don't think it's going to prompt them that quickly. Yeah. Unless there's some sort of directed attack towards the U.S. government. I mean, that's the only way. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that there would be more to say about this, but maybe there's not. Well, well, I, I guess the reason why we don't really see these uh, many of these persecutions for or prosecutions, not persecutions, uh, for DDoS attacks is that they're kind of hidden behind the veil of just zombies. You know, you're, you see all the the zombie horde, but you never see the necromancer in the very back commanding everything. And I realize that's an odd analogy, but that's kind of how it works. Hey, it's better than a series yeah. of tubes, right? <laughs> yeah. Tide comes in, tide goes out, can't explain it. The moon, motherfucker! Yeah. But that's really how it works, is that, you know, they just flood with uh, these zombie computers uh, that most of the time people don't even know that they're attacking. <laughs> so if, you know, anyone has been singled out, you're getting an innocent person. Yeah, I wonder if just in... It's always a race, though, between, you know, offense and defense. I wonder if now at this point the technology exists or has been refined such that it's easier to find the person who's in control. I mean, there are bot networks for hire now yeah. that in some way could make it easier to potentially find an attacker. This would have been before then. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, a little bit out of my depth. I mean, you know, I'm knowledge, knowledgeable and in, in the tech I can program the VCR, damn it. But, uh, you know, and, and I understand what a DDoS attack is, but when it comes to actually tracking down these people, I'm a little bit out of my element there. I just, I find it interesting, at the very least, like, is law starting to take a couple of steps towards catching up to where we're at? Well, I think first they need to figure out what an email is. <laughs> oh, and I know that uh, uh, sounds like a joke, but that isn't. <laughs> nope. What Facebook is and how it operates. Oh, don't worry. Uh, they'll have uh, Zuckerberg there on his booster seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with his with his cushion. Oh, I know. Shouldn't uh, attack short people, right? Yeah. The vertically challenged. Or fun sauced. Because <laughs> it depends on how you look at that. Alrighty. Well, moving on to our next topic. You will need to pay Nintendo Switch's online subscription to back up your saves. And also, as kind of a little aside, Nintendo Switch's online service stuff is been like officially announced now yeah uh can i go on record to say uh fuck you nintendo i think you just did uh, thank you oh nintendo is it's amazing how anti-consumer nintendo could be yet still so beloved am i the only one only one just amazed by that uh no i'm 
I mean, I I get it, I think, because okay. it's one of those whole childhood nostalgia things. I will say that Nintendo still makes interesting co- games. Yeah. Well, uh, well um, the Jimquisition actually ties uh, really well into this, uh, talking about how the first-party titles are system sellers, so they could be loss leaders. They throw a lot more money into the game that any third-party developer can't. Yeah, and when you say Jimquisition, you mean this week's Jimquisition. Yeah. And, I mean, Nintendo has always had its own unique property line that it's never shared. So, if you want Nintendo games, Mario, uh, Zelda, Metroid, etc., etc., with their few others, can't get it anywhere else. Have to get it on Nintendo. And those games have historically been good. I mean, I haven't played the Switch version of anything. Unless you're on the the CDI. But I had a Wii and I had a Wii U and, or I have a Wii U. And the Nintendo games I've played on those platforms are really good, interesting games. And I, you know, assume, especially after how many awards, um, the most recent Mario game, uh, Odyssey, Super Mario Odyssey, mm-hmm. and the most recent, uh, Zelda game won. Yeah. Uh, last year. Basically sweeping one of those two games won just about everyone's game of the year category. Except ours. Except ours, because we're PC people. PC Master Race. Yep. But, I mean, honestly... Yeah, we should uh, clarify you know, this a bit, though. Uh, well, once you're done uh, uh, on uh, Nintendo, to really ha- highlight what this is. Because there is a little bit of difference as Abisky here, because... PlayStation uh, Plus also has the online backup behind a paywall, but the important difference between this is that you're able to do an offline backup to uh, USB. Xbox Live has that yeah, too, which is free. Although I don't know if there's is. Uh, oh, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, free? it's listed here. Okay. Uh, PlayStation One, uh, the PlayStation Plus is the only one that doesn't have it as a free option between the two. That's why I, okay. uh, I was uh, kind of playing Devil's Advocate here, but the thing is that the Nintendo Switch, you cannot do an offline backup. You have to pay to backup your save. There's no way to get it off the Switch yet. Because, yeah, there is always third-party stuff, especially since the Nintendo Switch has been cracked. People found uh, a, uh, actually a hardware glitch that they were calling unpatchable. That's yeah. supposedly doing a lot of interesting things. So maybe there'll be a way around this eventually. But if anything happens to your Switch, your save files are gone. Which is just unfamably stupid for a portable console. Yeah. Well, the last couple of versions of the... Well, the last... The Wii and the Wii U... Actually, I don't know about the Wii, but on the Wii U, you can't save files anywhere except the console either. Yeah, like but it says that. A but at least, but at least according to this, you could get them off the Wii U with uh, USB. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. No, you could do that. So unless they're wrong in this, which is possible. I mean, I'm just going by one, uh, you know, state one very small substatement here. But at the same time, yeah. I would imagine he would have been called out pretty quickly on that. So uh, the yeah. fact that they're tying it behind a, a paywall, granted, it's a lot less of a paywall than other online services, but the fact that it even exists 
is just mind-bogglingly anti-consumer to me. Especially if, you, you know, you're not interested in online play. You're not interested in going online with, uh, you know, uh, Super Smash Brothers or playing Mario Kart or, you know, uh, doing all the things. Uh, especially with how utterly stupid they have their online chat. Oh. Yeah. Because they st- still have to use the phone app. Yeah. And there's something that just amazes me that they were talking about making it simpler so you don't have to carry around uh, so many wires, but you're having to use a your phone and Bluetooth, and, uh, assuming that you could even use Bluetooth with it. And it's just a phone battery drainer because at least in the beginning, if your phone went, uh, it, you know, turned off the screen and shut down the app. Yeah. I don't know if they've changed that or not. I sure hope but... they did. I hope they did too. Uh, Nintendo, what the fuck? I mean, you don't have to copy everyone exactly, but online functionality has been figured out for quite a while. Yeah, we know how this works. But I mean, Nintendo has always been many years. Nintendo's always been five to ten years behind the curve in that respect. And Nintendo has and probably, I mean, still does, honestly. The Switch, I feel like, is a pretty big innovation in terms of just, like, here's the a full-powered home console that you can take, like, a handheld console. Like, that's maybe not the most creative of ideas, but nobody's done it before in the console space. But then they have, like, examples of doing that innovation that are the ridiculous N64 controller, you know? Yeah, like the, the trident of pain. Yeah, on on the sort of standard or on the industry standard, Nintendo's like five to ten years behind the curve, but they take chances like nobody else with weird ideas. And sometimes I mean, they it tried pays virtual off, reality it back in the nineties. Yeah, granted it was a red and black headache machine, but they tried it when uh, you know the idea of virtual reality for the first time was really considered a, a possibility. Granted, looking back at it now, there was nowhere near the competing power for anything close to what we would want. But yeah, Nintendo took the chance. They gambled and lost, but they took it. Yeah. Nintendo then gambled on uh, CDs not being as impactful and still stuck with cartridges. And the Nintendo 64 did have its advantages over the PlayStation. Yeah, load times were yeah non-existent, but it also made things more expensive. Yeah, and they also kind of created the PlayStation inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, I think every time we talk about Nintendo, yeah, you well, you mention well, that it's it's just fascinating that fascinating history, you know. Yeah. And it's not every time. It's we're directly comparing the PlayStation and the Nintendo sixty four right now. Yeah, we haven't really talked about Nintendo uh, many times since we did that. So, ah, uh, but uh, yeah, other things on this uh, online play. Uh, they're doing some sort of pseudo virtual console, but there's been some rumors going around that the full virtual console experience won't be on the Switch. Which just seems weird. And that's yeah, really but at it. time of recording, that's not confirmed yeah. or denied. 
maybe by Friday we'll know for sure. Yeah, which individual uh, for a year is 20 bucks though, which is a hell of a lot better than what the other consoles do. But the fact that yeah. it's a payment thing in general just seems weird to me, but then again, PC Master Race. PC Master Race. Oh yeah, that's us. Um... But, but yeah, uh, you know, that's what happens when you have walled gardens. You know, you, you're able to dictate it. And Nintendo saw that they were, uh, I hate to use this phrase, but it's probably what it was, uh, leaving money on the table by you know, charging people for the online functionality. Yep. And they're definitely uh, uh, wanting people that, uh, uh, to have more than one in the family because you know, they have a family membership of $35 a year. <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, like I mentioned before, it's still cheaper than yeah the yeah, others. If you, have two, but, uh, if you have two switches, you know, in the uh, household, that's you know instantly cheaper. Yeah, because the Xbox family plan is seventy dollars a year, and I don't. Does PlayStation? I can't remember. Does PlayStation even have a family I have no plan? Idea. Yeah, but I mean, still, it's like from having, you know free unlimited multiplayer stuff on PC it's like it's all too expensive yeah well uh, only time we really see you know uh, uh, pay to get online it's for MMOs and that's really died off World of Warcraft yeah the only major one that's left isn't it Eve Eve still has a pay well no 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 no. Eve went to free to play last year Eve went uh, with the like the premium model so, World of Warcraft and uh, World of Warcraft? I think so, yeah. But I I love this one. How can I tell if a game requires the Nintendo Switch online membership for online play? We will share this information on this... We'll share information on this topic at a later date. In other words, we have no fucking idea. <laughs> yep. Yeah, didn't they? Weren't they supposed to release the online uh, functionality last year? They were supposed to, and then it got delayed. And then they had like their current like free, whatever with the app, and they have changed the release date a couple of times. But now they're saying it's coming out this year for sure. Yeah, I'm just quickly scrolling through this to see if there was anything else interesting, but. Uh, how do I uh, set up and use uh, save data cloud backup? More details will be released soon. <laughs> In other words, I hope the hackers do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just still mind-blowing that uh, yeah, they don't allow you to pull save data off that uh, console. Because for a portable console, that seems to be you know, the first thing I would think of is you know, backup the save data. Well, if it's non-removable memory, which there there was uh, the interesting bit on the Ben Heck show where he tore down the Nintendo Switch and showed that it's essentially just a module that could easily be swapped out. So I wonder if you broke the Switch, could you swap out that memory module and it would work? I've never seen anyone try that. Yeah, I haven't either. I mean, great, it'd be yeah, a, yeah, a last-ditch effort, but it should be possible. Possible, 
but effort. But hey, if you've already broken it, you may as well try to break another one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, the FTC, uh, uh, the yeah, FTC uh, said that the, those uh, warranty labels, uh, yeah, br- break the sticker and wa- warranties were just bullshit. So, yo, know, how would they know? Indeed. How would they know? How does anybody know anything, Rage? How do we know? Obviously, anything? not by listening to us. <laughs> uh, so, looking at the time, do we want to put the other one back in? Uh, what recorded time are we at? We're at two forty-seven. Uh, two thirty. No, I'm 238. good. Two thirty-eight. Well, we've still got to go through uh, archive.org. Okay, let's see how much uh, nostalgia wanking we do. So, archive.org. Ar- Org has uh, been doing a hosting of old Flash games, and there are now over a thousand Flash games on there. Which archive.org is amazing. Yeah. We gave them money once, and I'm going to give them more money multiple times because they're amazing. Yeah, we were talking about the archiving of video games, and yeah, you know, this is it for things that are going away just in functionality. Modern browsers are slowly going away from uh, Flash and Shockwave, which is what powered a lot of gaming in the early 2000s. And a lot of nostalgia around those games, or, you know, uh, at least for me, and I thank you as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like, I've been trying to rack my brain to think of some of the old Flash games I can't, I used to play and I just can't remember yeah. any of them. Well, well there were, there uh, were time wasters before we had mobile phones, essentially. Yeah. It's not to say that they don't deserve to be saved, of course. But, uh, uh, the tower defense genre, it didn't, it wasn't born there. It was born in, uh, Warcraft 3, I believe. But it really flourished in a lot of these, uh, uh, Flash games. Uh, 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 gem defense uh, which I eventually saw a release on Steam uh, um, after several iterations uh, started in Flash uh, there's been power defense there's uh, been uh, real time strategy uh, RPGs I mean there's all sorts of different genres that didn't see their birth but saw a lot more depth and creativity thrown at them in Flash games of course, you had the porn games as well, yeah. but still. Yeah, those were the best Flash games. Yeah, until the teacher but caught you. Usually, with the those were blocked. <laughs> yeah, those were usually blocked on the school network, though. But yeah, I played the first. I mean, the first place I played a tower defense game was as a Flash game. The first place I played. I'm trying to think if there's any other games I played, or any other genres I played for the first time as a Flash game. I don't think so. I think some of the oddball uh, RPGs definitely count. Uh, I guess technically you could almost call uh, some of the some of the RPGs I played almost visual novels. Yeah, yeah, I definitely played. That would have been the first place that I played something like a visual novel. If you don't, you know, whether or not you categorize that as one or not, I think I would honestly. Like I, I used to seek out those types of games. Just because yeah, I not even, even really then. knowing what it was. Yeah. So uh, this is the inverse of what we were talking about before, where yeah, you know, the games are being saved. 
Yo, the the save yeah. is getting uploaded, and I don't, and I'm uh, running out of analogies. This is more <laughs> just a public service announcement as well. Uh, our second for the uh, show, it seems. <clears throat> yeah, kind of makes me want to go see play flash see games, him. like head over to Newgrounds uh, and play some of like the sketchy flash games <laughs> before you just go play the porn ones. Yeah, congregate. Congregate uh, is still active, even though you know it's definitely seen uh less traffic and obviously less functionality let's see let me go down here to where the link is show all files yeah it still is just groups um let's see show all files and they're torrents but they're not very big and you know that's the way they're Hey, a legitimate reason to have a torrent downloader. It's not just... Is that 6 gigabytes? 6.0G? Um, View contents. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that... That's a lot of files. Yeah, that's a lot of different games. And the thing is... If you want to spend a weekend just going through uh, different things, <laughs> I, I just randomly scroll down. Uh, run, Jesus, run. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That has episode title potential. Ultimate crab battle. Also, uh, <laughs> show uh, potential. Oh, uh, the Yeti Sports series. I remember those. Remember Yeti Sports? No. I have to be honest. Uh, I do not. I, uh, at least at my school, uh, the old candy stand uh, site that was uh, just uh, 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 lifesavers and uh, that sort was the really popular Flash site for quite a while. That and also Jeopardy for some reason. Because there used to be an official online Jeopardy game. Gateway. Um, just uh, Some of these do look familiar. Is that a Watchmen game? It is. I would not be surprised. I mean, there's a Flash game for everything. Well, I'm sure that there's a Flash game making Flash games. Probably. But this is set up so that you don't even need Flash on your computer and it plays on offline mode. So, yeah, six gigs and you have a lot of nostalgia and maybe even a couple of good games. Yeah, there there were good Flash games. Yeah. There's a lot of shit, a lot of a lot of, you know, first project games, too, which is fine. Like everybody starts somewhere. Wow. you and Flash games are one of the sp- speaking of quality. Your call quality just took a dump. Uh, OK, it sounds like it's better now. I was going to say Skype's showing that I have maximum call quality. It just really, really uh, went robotic there for a while. Who knows? Fuck Skype. Am I right? Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm going to download this and <laughs> goof around, poke around on some of them a little bit. I don't know if anything will be worthy of mentioning on the next episode, but I'm definitely going to play some of these. See if I can just find some that I recognize. Because, I mean, I'm not really recognizing any of the names. I haven't played a Flash game in... God... 10, 12 years? Please don't say elementary school. 
No, no, it was high school, which would have been ten, ten yeah, ten years ago. Pokemon Towering Legends. <laughs> I wonder if Nintendo's going to get pissed because I'm sure there's a lot of Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon ten matches. Uh, Pokemon Pokemans. Pokemon Collapse. Pokemon Tower Defense. Uh, a couple of those are uh, just files for it. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl Breakdown Blast. <laughs> well, that sounds fun. Mario Brothers Crossover. Oh, I remember Mario Brothers Crossover. Oh, that's awesome. Did, did you ever see that? Mm, nope, not that I remember. Okay. Here's your project if you download this file. If this is what I'm thinking of, Mario Brothers crossover is the original Super Mario Brothers, alright? But. Alright. It's a crossover game. So, you have the option of bringing in game, uh, players or characters from other games, like Samus in Mario Brothers with all her abilities. <laughs> Uh, the Contra guys with all of their abilities. So instead of jumping on things, they have to shoot things. I think Link was in it and he had to, uh, you know, stab things with a sword. It was a really, really interesting game. If this is what I'm thinking it is. I mean, granted, obviously some were a lot better than others. Um, I think Kirby was in it as well. Canonically, Samus is in the same universe as Mario. There was one game, one of the Mario games, where that Samus, uh, her ship has crashed in the Mushroom Kingdom, and she's injured, and she's resting in a bed in Peach's Castle. Oh, my. I think I know where this is going. <laughs> it was either Super Mario RPG uh, or yeah, it Paper is. Mario's. Okay, okay, I found it, I found it. Or, uh, I have to, I don't have a Flash uh, running right now, but. Uh, Super Mario Crossover packs all your favorite Nintendo characters and personalities into one neat Flash game. The world settings are the original Super Mario Brothers but for uh, Nintendo. But instead of only playing Mario Luigi, now you can choose between Mario, Link, Bill from Contra, Simon from Castlevania, Samus from Metroid, or Mega Man. Yes, Mega Man. <laughs> nice. Which is, you know, uh, show some of the creativity that was out there. Granted, nowadays that would just be, you know, uh, asset flip, but eh. Well, I shouldn't say that because, you know, there, uh, people that uh, put that much creativity into the game uh, would still put that, that amount of creativity and effort into modern games, but it just gets lost a lot easier now. And also, you can't really do something like this because... Nintendo frowns upon making money on their IPs, even if it does mean free advertising for them. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're done here. Because Nintendo is weird and dumb sometimes. Anyways, yeah. So, moving on then, let's hit up the community corner. Aside from um, uh, Kyle sending us that audio file, which I'm going to use in the opening of the show, so obviously you will have heard it by now. 
you said we had a few tweets. We had a pair week. from uh, Ghost Shark. Finally catching up on podcast, hitting the Game Club episode. Uh, this is for 80 days. I found the randomness of the goods to buy and sell as guide points for the journey. Uh, 15 plus playthroughs. I think I only had to hit the bank once. But the game is fun. A great gem. Seen uh, uh, the Arctic, Walking Cities, autom- um, Automations, Hydrofoils, Solved Murders, Raised Rebellions, Found Love, Got Stranded in Southeast Asia. But nothing as exciting as an epic human game. Or sorry, uh, nothing. but nothing as exciting as the epic game of Hergen Jurgen. Smiley face. Hurt. Nice. And that's from Ghost Shark, and that's all the community corner this week. So if you were to, well, of course, Kyle's yep, sobering up and sending us the file. He de- he never commented to me about uh, us uh, picking on him. Did he comment to you? Uh, yes. What did he say? Did he send me a Did he send me a DM? <laughs> or was it a tweet? Let me go check. Come on, Twitter. Come on, Twitter. Any day now. No, it's not a DM. Did he, maybe he sent it to me on Discord. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I got drunk and I had this great idea. Great, let's hear it. <laughs> nope, not on Discord. Well, what did- he, he, I swear he sent something to me somewhere about it. Because he said something about, like, you guys... Ooh, are total dicks, <laughs> but I never, I haven't laughed that hard in a while. <laughs> well, hey, at least we made him laugh, right? Indeed. For once. Maybe he text. Yeah, I don't see it. I swear he said something to me about it, but I can't, I don't see it anywhere. Oh, well, doesn't matter. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was what it said. Something like, you guys are total dicks. But I haven't laughed that hard in a while, so good job. I'm actually going to send you the file this time. <laughs> hey, if he, it wouldn't have been us if we didn't pick on him, right? Absolutely. And if you were to we have pick us... pick on the ones if, we love. If you were to have us slightly pick on you, we promise we'll be nicer. Especially because we have the uh, the history of Kyle. You can send us an email, vglpodcast at gmail.com, or just tweet us. VGL podcast on the Twitter. I mean, that's where you tweet people, the Twitter. So, Indeed. music time? Indeed. Doobly doo. Doobly doo for Discovery Q. And I closed my Steam tab, apparently. Yeah. So let's open that back up and hit View Dude. Oh, Monster Prom. I yes. got review code for that, but I never played it. Yeah, that's from Jesse I've, Cox. Yep. Uh, it's a dating sim where you're encouraged to be the worst person possible. Well, don't forget to list it. I yep. got an interesting yep, yep, one yep. immediately as well. Demons Rise, Lord of Chaos. Turn-based tactical RPG where players command po- powerful bands of warriors. Interesting looking. It's very, 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 very cheap, though. <laughs> so that could be either a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> really depending. Looks like it's been on ongoing development, though. Uh, it has 
patch 1.4 recently released. I mean, it doesn't look as cheap as I would have expected. But yeah, it's one of those things that screenshots may not be able to give that all the information that you need. Uh, they, uh, reviews are saying that there's only a, a few strange characters to choose for your team, though. No sense of progression, though. You start with a full six uh, and only receive one item per map. So, yeah, it's definitely on the cheaper side of things. Wait a second. So I got Demon's Rise, War for the Deep. So which one is which? I don't know. Okay, Lords of Chaos says it released on April 24th, 2018. And War for the Deep says it released on April 30th, 2018. So are we just seeing people dumping their stuff, uh, their backlog? Maybe. War for the Deep looks better, I think. Although, honestly, it's hard to tell. I wonder if it's like... A sequel? There's... They're thinking like episodic or sequel or ah. something, but they've dropped it as two separate games. Maybe. Well, well, why are you trying to figure that one out? Are you putting it on your list? Oh, okay. So Lords of... It's the same game, but one game you play the good guys. Oh, okay. Which... And then the other one, you're the bad guy. Interesting. I'm not sure how I feel about it being separate games, but it's also very cheap, so... Yeah, it's a, so Lords of Chaos is the good guys, and this one, War for the Deep, is the bad guys. Odd. Yeah. So, I got the good guys, and you got the bad guys. Is that... Is that right? Is that how we wind up being split? I think so. Uh, that's how our... Uh, our... <laughs> Our saviors got split at the end. It wasn't uh, that you fell uh, you fell in love with my character. I got the good guys, you got the bad guys, and we ended up fighting. I mean, I can live with the bad guys. I, I can live with that. I just want to make sure that we're we're split the correct way. Yeah, but who would have guessed that? I would have not been the evil one. Ooh. Uh, but I got Space Hulk Ascension, which is the uh, sequel to the... Well, I shouldn't say the original Space Hulk, but the... Uh, the most recent Space Hulk game on Steam, which is Warhammer 40k Space Marines uh, turn-based strategy. Uh, it's an interesting game. It's more of uh, stomping down hallways and being badass, which is kind of you know, the whole point of being a Space Marine, honestly. I know that the, yeah. uh, the first Space Hulk had some severe problems. I'm not sure how that is been addressed here. It looks like it's still a very hard to play game and a bit clunky uh, based on some reviews, but yeah, that's, once again, Space Marines. Uh, or Warhammer 40k. Yeah. Oh, I saw so, that one uh, before. Uh, I got Mech's Profit, the Mech Tycoon Simulator. Um... The graphics for this game look real bad, yeah. like real early. Yeah, yeah it but looks like Alpha premise, Spore. Yeah, but the premise is one that I like and one to watch. Um, it says you are a, a mech factory owner who has to produce profitable mechs to sell on the open market. Uh, it looks like this is more industrial mechs as opposed to like combat mech yeah, warrior type consumer, stuff. Yeah, uh, consumer grade. 
but I really like the idea of this, and as long as the gameplay is, is good, and the system's not too clunky, because this looks like, you know, they took the whole KSP idea of putting a, a mech together, and, and just did that. So hopefully it's easy and intuitive and works. I'd love to get review code for this. It's not that expensive, though. $13.49 right now? Oh, that's so close to my impulse buy range. Well, I, I think I'll well, do a little Steam bit summer, of research the into Steam this The Steam summer later. sale is coming up. That's true. A couple months, if that. Well, what was it? June 23rd? That was the rumor, right? Which is a month and a half. Yeah, and uh, it had the whole, uh, you know, do not sh uh, share on uh, the Steam community. <laughs> uh, but I got an interesting one. Warring States, a tactics turn-based battle strategy game set during uh, the Warring States period of ancient China. Graphically, it doesn't look too bad. I mean, it, you know, it's a tactics game, so the expectations are a bit lower. Warring States uh, era of China is a little bit of an uh, unusual setting. Usually, if it's a Warring States period, it's Japan and not China, right? Yeah. So, you know, just being Chinese history is an interesting take on things. It's... Well, Dynasty Warriors... Well, they take that to a fanciful end, but the history, the base history is, is there. It's a little bit more expensive than I would have expected. Uh, it's $19, which is also a little odd number. Uh, 15 uh, single-player story missions, each on a unique map. Uh, 12 uh, battle multiplayer battle maps. Uh, two to four uh, player local and online matchmaker. I mean, it's not that bad. It looks like it's a little expensive for what it is, but something to keep an eye on, perhaps, if you're interested in that uh, era. Yep. All right, here's one that's an avoid, uh -oh. not a get. Uh, War Robots. This is a mobile game that is apparently making the hop to PC. It's a super simplified mech combat game um, with very simple customization, very simple, unintuitive, shitty controls. I don't know how they're going to transition it to PC, but just like glancing over the reviews, people are saying like, if you played this on mobile, you have played it. They didn't do really anything to make it, optimize it or change it for PC at all. So if you want to play this, it's an okay mobile game. Um... But no way would this be a good PC game. If you want a good PC mech game for free, play MechWarrior online. Not interested. Hello. Right. Um, retro title. So, yeah, huge, huge, huge grain of salt on any possibility of running this. But Jagged Alliance 2 Wildfire. This is a, actually a... Uh, released 2004, so possible uh, to run on modern uh, systems. It's, uh, but who knows? It's a little tough to figure out. Uh, just in the few seconds I've uh, seen this, but yeah, old school Jacket Alliance uh, tactical uh, combat. It looks like I'm on a tactics uh, run this uh, week, huh? I thought I had. 
one of the Jagged Alliance games on Steam. Maybe I don't. The uh, tactical Sorry. combat and uh, mercenary, or not really mercenary, but uh, a rebellion uh, simulator, I think, if memory serves. I mean, uh, definitely worth checking out if you're interested in it. But now I'm getting uh, the shit. Yeah, I'm done with my queue. I just finished. Yeah, I'm wrapping up mine. Oh, dear God, that looks terrible. I did pretty good. It's pretty good. Four. Three of them being good and one of them being avo an avoid. Huh. That looks interesting. Sorry, quickly looking at this. This is not even released. It doesn't even have a release date on it. But I'll add it because it may slightly excite you. I mean, it's okay. mecha, not mech. But Dual Gear. Japanese mecha shooter. <coughs> Looks like some severe customization on it. Huh. Yeah, like I said, it looks interesting, doesn't it? But tactical action turn-based. With the UI, I'm thinking this may be in a mobile game at some point. This reminds me of the older front mission games. But this may be turn-based. It's a little hard to tell. Yeah, turn-based tactics. Turn. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, the uh, tags didn't show it at first. I had to click on more tags. Dual gear coming soon. All right, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm just doing a quick search to see if that was on mobile. Because you know, the UI looks so mobile-esque, doesn't it? Kind of, but I've seen some games that have used that before. Yeah. That like style without being mobile games. It's usually like um, uh, visual novels that have some interactive elements. Do stuff like that. Yeah, but it has uh, sections that it looks like it, you should swipe to go through the different options. That's why I was thinking mobile. Uh, Unreal Engine, uh, Steam, uh, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. So definitely not mobile. And it looks like, it, well, closed alpha and second campaign was in 2016. So not sure what is going on there. But I should be able to go to the Indiegogo and get an idea of the price, but... Uh, uh, the price on the Indiegogo, uh, which is still active, by the way, is 20 bucks, so it's in the budget range for the digital uh, copy on the Steam. So, yeah, that is actually interesting. It's like they're shooting for a pretty low uh, requirement as well. Or system requirements, I should say. Definitely something to check out once you... Uh, I know I'm going to say heresy here. Get tired of Battletech. It'll happen eventually. And you want something more Japanese. Because this is mecha, not mech. Yeah, I gotta get through the story again. After using those mods that makes it... The more, universe more varied. Yeah, more interesting. Gotta get my little trash can. But definitely something to check out. Uh, probably end of the year or next year. Estimated release uh, date is still just this year. So who knows if they'll even make it. But yeah, uh, definitely something interesting at the end of my queue. It actually had uh, 
war robot show up in my queue as well, but uh, because I marked it as not interested whenever your link came up, it skipped it on mine. So that is it for the discovery queue. Nice. Well, that means we move on to the portion of the podcast where I go first and tell you about my things. Uh, I got my YouTube channel sorted out last week. Moving forward this week, uh, it's just going to be regular Divinity episodes and the podcast. I don't have anything planned. Um, I've had a lot of stuff going on that has prevented me from even attempting to record. And then in the free time that I have had this past week, I just want to play Battletech. Oh, so. wow. Um, if you want to see what's going on on my channel, though, you can head over to Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. I got a couple of new subs this week, so thanks if you're listening to the podcast uh, on there, or anywhere, really. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see all the things I tweet about, political, not political, video game related, uh, I don't know if I've posted what I've tweeted about the last few days. Random things. If you want to see those, you can follow me on Twitter at JMA4707. If you want to see streams on Twitch or premieres of content using the Twitch premiere system, which I quite like, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. If you want to be friends with me on Steam, you can send me a friend request at JMA, or no, at JRThur4707. That's my username on on Steam. I've only said this like a million times, but I still mess it up. But that's okay. You can come chat with me. We can talk about all kinds of things. Everyone who's ever uh, sent me a friend request from the podcast has turned out to be a lovely, lovely person. Except me. And I like, and I like talking to lovely people. Well, I like curmudgeons, too. Oh. Well, if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Isthmus. Isthmus. What, no comments? Mm, nope. Oh. It's a good word. Isthmus. So, for me, things are still pretty much running uh, standard. Divinity uh, will be winding down in the next couple of weeks. RimWorld... The ship went down <laughs> uh, by the time you've uh, uh, heard this. By the time you hear this, by the time you listen to this, uh, you know, I've had a couple interesting episodes. Let's put it this way. There's a reason why the one I put out today, uh, day recording, is called This is Why I Don't Like Caravans. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, RimWorld is always good for uh, some fun, and that, uh, that may be why I didn't like Judgment, was that it feels very static compared to something like RimWorld, even though they're technically in the same genre. Uh, and SteamWorld Dig slowly going through it. It is getting a lot faster now that I've gotten the jetpack, so I'm hoping you've Probably finish it by, around the time Steam, uh, by the time Divinity finishes. So we'll have two new series going on at the same time. Excitement. And who knows, maybe even a couple of views. And dare I say, a subscriber or two? Oh yeah, subscribers. But if you was to help uh, join uh, that subscriber account, you could do so. Gaming with Caffeine Rage on the YouTubes, where I have my three Let's Play series, the Sunday Sampler, which has some sometimes interesting things, or I just start bashing things and, you know, 
be very, very, very disappointed in all of gaming. Or just post a podcast, VGL podcast at gmail.com if you wish to email us for the podcast. Or tweet us once again, VGL podcast. Or if you just wish to see my Twitter, gaming with CR. I kind of mixed the two this time. (laughs) That's all right. I mess up, you mess up, it all works out. Yeah, but my mess up uh, kind of flowed kind of naturally into one another. It it was more just, you know, watching a waiter with a bunch of plates and he trips and he's uh, running full speed trying to get back under him. (laughs) And then smashes right into the wall. And if you want to still put, uh, pay for all the plates, you do so patreon.com slash VGL podcast, which helped pay for our Podbean account, vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the RSS feed and the show notes, so you can skip all the spoilers that we talked about this time around. Or you can just see them on your show notes in your iTunes app, on Google Play, whatever app you're using there, Stitcher, wherever Jared shoved us which I'm sure is not dirty in the slightest. And speaking of not dirty in the slightest, our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Key music is doobly doo by the same artist. You can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye. Hey, it looks like that dipshit in my primary election lost. My, my faith in humanity has gone back up a slight, slight tick. Bye-bye.